0: Business data is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another not-so-mini-mini many, many episode, a hiatus episode. I don't know what you call it. Um, today, I am so excited because, well, last week we had a Degrassi-centric episode. I will say that Steven Brogren from Degrassi, a.k.a. Snake, has now officially followed me on Twitter um, which is probably the most mortifying thing that's ever happened to me in my life because it's just like, it's, it's again, the internet reads me all the time. Like the feedback the internet gives me is just reading the shit out of me. Um, but today we have on some guests more Degrassi centric stuff. It's Sainik and Lauren from the Everybody Wants Something podcast, which I just did with them. It's so fun. They go through all of the Degrassi Junior High series, which I, have to say I'd only seen a little bit in pieces and I just had so much fun talking to them and um, they brought up a killer among friends. And I know you guys have been talking to me about this movie since I started this podcast. This is a movie that you guys have wanted to see or hear us talk about for so long. And I've always put it off because I feel like, I don't know if I can do it justice, Uh, especially in a mini episode, I was worried, but then after we had this wonderful conversation about Degrassi. I was like, I feel like if I can fuck with anyone doing this movie with me, it's these two. So, welcome to the show, you guys.
2: Thank, Thank you. you for having
3: us.
1: Yeah, I think this is my first time being tag teamed as well. <laughs> I have never had two people on this <laughs> podcast at once.
3: <laughs> wow,
2: so the truth is, very is yeah.
1: It's um, Okay. So this movie, I'm going to read the Wikipedia for the real case in a little bit, but essentially it's about girls that grew up together. Um, and two of them turn on one and murder her. And I know you guys went to elementary school, middle school, whatever together. So I have to ask you is, was this inspired by something in your life that you wanted to do this? Do you have anything to confess (laughs) to me before we start?
3: Oh my gosh, Senek! Did you kill someone? Is this your is this your confession right here?
1: I mean, it's just a chance. It's a chance to get it off your chest. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely think it is.
2: Well, you know, actually, no, I never murdered anyone. But this is my time to tell you, Lauren, that I have been secretly jealous of you for <laughs> years. <laughs> I don't know. I set my eyes on you and I'm just like, I have to get you one of these days.
1: <laughs> um, by the way, you guys, like just side interesting thing about Lauren. I learned last time we talked, you normally mm. live in China.
3: I do. I do li- normally live in China. I've been living there. This is my, well, was my fourth year. I'm in America right now because Corona. But <laughs> yeah, that's where I usually, I'm a teacher there for English students.
1: Do you mind if I ask, like, because I know you mm-hmm. came back because of Corona. How did that work? Did you, when you came back and you said February, I think?
3: Yeah. So I actually, um, I actually didn't come back because of Corona. Um, I, during, when Corona was happening, I was on winter break for my teaching. It was like their holiday for um, Chinese New Year, and so I decided to take a trip home to just come visit my family, you know, enjoy my time off. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then shit hit the fan, and I'm still here. So
1: <laughs> Now you're, like, really visiting your family. Yeah, like, we're, you guys we're really close. <laughs> super well acquainted at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm going to read the Wikipedia for this case um, because we were talking a little bit beforehand about how they change, like, the main problem, girl. They change a lot of her story <laughs> in this movie, um, which, you know, I think was somewhat necessary, but also the things that they chose I found to be very troubling. So um, yeah. this is the true story of Michelle Yvette, a.k.a. Missy Alvia. Al- al- yeah, Alvia. Al- I al- so. Yeah. Let's go with that. I think so. (laughs) She was an American teenager who was murdered by her former best friend and rivals, Karen Severson and Laura Doyle, in October of uh, 1985. So I was just just a little baby. Um, Michelle grew up in... Arletta, Los Angeles, um, which I don't think is a real place, by the way. I've never heard of Arletta, Los Angeles, in the San Fernando Valley. Michelle and Karen had been best friends since they were eight years old. The two girls began to grow apart when they entered San Fernando High School. Severson apparently grew jealous of Alvia because she was considered more popular and attractive. Severson was also upset because Alvia began spending less time with her, opting to spend time with boys. Severson later started a rumor that Alvia had been having sex with various boys. As a result, Alvia was beaten up by a group of girls who accused her of sleeping with their boyfriends during the girls' junior year in high school. Alvia began dating a boy named Randy. Um, so Missy, she broke up this relationship after a month due to Randy's constant partying. Um, shortly after the breakup, she and, uh, Laura and Randy began a relationship and eventually moved into an apartment together. Severson, Laura later told Missy's mom, Irene, that she once witnessed Randy pulling Missy onto his lap. Missy told Randy that she was not interested in rekindling their relationship and advised Laura to break up with Randy. The incident angered Laura. So she stopped speaking to Missy 10 days before Missy's death. The two got into a physical altercation in a neighborhood park. According to witnesses, Severson threatened Missy with a broken beer bottle and then pushed and slapped her. Okay. That's intense. Um, (sighs) So on October 2nd, 1985, Missy told her mom that she was going out with her school friend Laura Doyle. Oh wait, I think I've been calling these people by the wrong name, but you're following what I'm saying. (laughs) So Laura picked uh, Missy up and the two left four hours later, Laura called uh, missy's mom and asked her to speak to missy after missy's mom told her that told laura that she thought her daughter was with her laura told her that she had dropped her off with three boys driving a blue camaro after getting gas laura said that she returned to location where she dropped missy off but she thought the three boys were gone um so on october 5th missy's body was found face down in a stream in big Tahunga park and t- big tohunga wait big Tahunga canyon in the angeles nat- national forest which by the way is 12 miles from or 12 minutes from my house oh, which shit. is
3: it's
1: crazy. i know that is like and this is by the way the way this movie plays out it's not like a los angeles story it seems they paint it as very small town usa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so um Yeah, her body was found face down in a stream. She had been forcibly drowned in eight inches of water. Her waist length hair was hacked off and there was a four foot log found on top of her body. So Irene, Missy's mom, later said she had no reason to suspect Laura or Karen were involved in her daughter's death. Both had attended Missy's funeral and Laura sent the family a sympathy card along with $20. Weird. (laughs) Um, That is so weird. Karen also moved in with Irene, Missy's mom, for a time to console her and become her surrogate daughter. Although this uh, is disputed by... Karen. Karen also seemingly obsessed was also seemingly obsessed with the murder. She visited Missy's grave several times a week. Covered the walls of her room with pictures of Missy and newspaper clippings about the crime. And she repeatedly visited the creek where Missy's body was found. At one point, she told Irene that she had seen Missy's ghost. Police had no leads in the case, and the case went cold. And in July 1988, Eva. Eva. Cherimbolo, another teen who had taken a 45-minute drive into the mountains, came forward and told the police about the murder. Laura and Karen were arrested and charged with first-degree murder, according to the prosecutors. Laura and Karen lured Missy into the creek and then proceeded to yell at her about her supposed promiscuity. Both girls accused her of having sex with their boyfriends and told her that she had messed up too many relationships. The two then held Missy face down in approximately six inches of water. To hold her body down in the water, the two placed a four-foot, 100-pound log on her body. In March of 1990, Laura and Karen were convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. The jurors later said they were not convinced that the murder was planned and and rejected the first degree murder charge. Karen was released from prison on December 9, 2011, after serving 23 and a half years. Laura was released from prison in December of 2012 after serving 22 years. After Laura, um, after Karen got out of prison, she began promoting a memoir about the crime and her prison experience and made a deal to have a film produced. Missy's family sued her in 2015, seeking to take the profits of the sales. The state of California passed Missy's law requiring uh, entities who are helping to publish works made by, the, made by criminals to contact the families of the victims about the said works. Okay, so that's actually a pretty um, significant law because <clears throat> I've long been under the impression that it's illegal to profit from um, a crime you've been charged with. Yeah, that's what I thought, too.
3: Yeah. I remember that happened something similar with OJ and him trying to, like, he wrote a book telling him, telling everyone how he's supposed to do it or how he would have done it.
1: (laughs) If I did it? You mean
3: the
1: book, if I did it?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I remember, like, they had to add if, because I think originally it didn't have the if so I he is if-
1: too bold like honestly i realized that oj has to an extent been stopped but like he mm. really needs to be stopped
3: i mean yeah ugh, that, ugh, he's on yeah.
1: twitter like mean- should- <laughs> he's not are you serious yes, yes oj's on twitter and like people you know like i think most people get like okay he's a murderer but like of mm. course People are trolls and weird and like it's kind of like a <laughs> meme a little bit that OJ's on Twitter, but yeah, he'll like tweet from the golf or you know, he'll tweet like a video of himself from the golf course. Like he's totally out living a normal life.
3: And the that weirdest thing insane. about it is that like he's like an like he's like a grandpa, like a grandpa age or like a dad. So it's like a dad on the internet on Twitter, but it's also OJ Simpson, which is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: It is it's
3: like,
2: true. Almost just playing golf, but like deep down inside, may or may not have killed some people.
1: Well, you that's know. exactly right. That's exactly right, Lauren. It's like he is like cringy, like a dad, but <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: like there's this dark undertone of like, oh, but we all know you're a murderer. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this movie, I have to just get this out of the way because I know m- some of my listeners in the you know, above 40 set will get very mad at me. If I don't point out right away that Jean Monroe, Tiffany Amber Thiessen's mom in this, she plays Jenny Monroe is played by Patty Duke. I just want
0: to get yeah. that. Out of <laughs>
1: way. Um, I learned today that Patty Duke passed away. So that was tough. Um, but mm-hmm. I definitely would say that I can, I get some shit on here for not knowing some of um, older Hollywood. Um, <laughs> but Patty Duke had a career baby. Oh, yeah. And
2: boy, did she give yeah. us a Patty Duke performance. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I loved Jean.
2: I loved it. She gave us a very strong Miracle Worker vibe. Like, she really was going for it for this TV movie. And I, I really enjoyed it.
1: I didn't realize that she was on one of my favorite shows, Touched by an Angel. <sighs> I believe playing a character named Jean.
3: Stop. Wow. Yeah. I can <laughs>
1: Were you guys around Absolutely. for *Touched by an Angel*? I yes,
2: remember I, I that being was. on like the weird religious like I don't know what channel it was. My grandma used to watch it though.
1: Yeah, I would You're say that right? thirty years ago. No, not thirty years ago. Probably twenty five years ago. Yeah. My ass would be saddled up to the TV this time in Massachusetts, and I'd be on my murder, she wrote journey about to get to my touched by an angel journey. And then I go to bed. I'd have a cup of tea while I watched touched by an angel and then go to bed. Cause I was a good little, I was a good little mama's girl, bitch. And I, none of this behavior in this movie is relatable to me. I never got to have these teen years. I don't think you guys did either based off of the Degrassi conversation. This was very foreign to me. What's happening here.
2: No, we were we were very very good kids. Very much good girls uh, growing up. So I could not relate to dating my friend's ex-boyfriend and then being upset and then murdering someone. It's just like it's just out of my wheelhouse totally.
3: Yeah, it wasn't even until like later in the movie that I realized that they were supposed to be teenagers. I thought yeah. they were like 25 <laughs> it took minimum. Me a while.
2: I think not until we found out that like, Oh, Jenny, you're starting off your senior year. Like after labor day, I definitely thought they were out of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Kelly Kapowski at that point might've been one of America's most famous high school students. Cause this was made yeah. in 1992, which was right after say by the bell ended. And when the new class or when, um, the college years began. So this was like, she was popping at this time. And I feel like this movie, I understand why it was probably so iconic for people who grew up, like the way the face on the milk carton movies were for me. I feel like this was your version of that. If you grew up during a certain time. Um, But yeah, so um, this movie opens up, we find out right away that like, you know, Jenny Monroe lives at the cool house. Um, mm-hmm. This is the house where all of the teenagers feel comfortable rolling up. They all hang out. They, they like to watch these um, home movies. And um, I always was jealous of families that ha- were like prolific with their home movies.
3: Oh, oh yes. So I thought we... they were rich.
0: Yeah, I
1: <laughs> so we kind of had
2: that. Like I, I distinctly remember, I think I was like six or seven when my family bought like a camcorder and it was truly like the most amazing thing to me. Cause one in my head, like I'm a six year old. So I'm like, Oh my God, are we rich? Like,
1: <laughs> this, is, <laughs> yeah, I like know.
2: this beautiful technology. And I remember like we did sometimes like watch old videos of us. Um I remember we uh, filmed ourselves going to Disney world and that was like the thing we Iconic. loved like the most to look back on. And it was actually like so much fun so
1: yeah i mean they weren't cheap back then to have like a no. home camera that was like 1200 dollars. Mm-hmm. it was expensive i mean mm-hmm. even if you got the ones that had like the vhs built into the side those were like so expensive to like film directly onto a vhs um yeah. but yeah so they're watching um, these videos and Jenny's embarrassed by them. Um, but her mom's like, come over here. So she calls her over and her mom just is like absent-mindedly braiding her hair. And you mm. can see Ellen just like immediately zero in on this. And she is jealous that her mom braids her hair. <laughs> so oh, man. there's this little girl. And at first, we don't know who she is. Like, it kind of looks like like the oopsie baby that might've happened in that family. Like, cause the kids are in high school. Her younger brother is like a freshman. She's going to be a senior. And then there's a way older brother who we'll meet later, but we don't know who this baby is. And then we find out, Oh, it's Celeste. This is Ellen's daughter. And Jean loves being with Celeste because she thinks Ellen did a very brave thing in choosing to have her, her kid when she was in high school. Um, and, her brother is like this little shit. And like, he comes in the kitchen. He's like, did Ellen dump Celeste on you again, mom? And like, I'm sitting there thinking this child is like old enough to know what you're saying. Like she's old enough to absorb a lot of the conversation around her. Um, because, you know, I don't know what was she supposed to be like three or four. So that was one of the reasons why I wasn't sure how
2: old they were, because yeah. she looks like she's about four. Like she, she, she's not like a baby. She's like a, you know, she's like a older than a toddler, but like younger than school age. So I was like, no, they can't be in high school. Cause that kid's like five.
3: like <laughs> right. She's like, definitely in pre-K.
1: And like, she's you know, definitely in
3: middle school. Like
1: <laughs> We know from Degrassi, you can get, have sex once and get pregnant, but mm-hmm. I find it very rich that like, uh, allegedly the teen mom in this movie is all about what a hoe bag. Jenny Monroe is because <laughs> I'm like, calm down like you have a kid I don't think that like you're really in a position to like slut shame your friends but like go off queen so (laughs) they are having a barbecue and this is like again Jean's house is the spot um and one of the friends, Kathy, is talking to Jean, and she's basically like, "My mom doesn't listen to me. Like, can you call her about it?" And Jean's like, "I'm gonna call your mom." and I'm gonna, which, by the way, I love that. Like, can you imagine being a mom and getting a call from like one of your friends' moms <laughs> being like, listen, Kathy just thinks you could be doing a better job. Um, and I'm here <laughs> to relay that message to you. My mom would like never let me go over to that house again." My um, mom would have cussed that mom out, probably. For, <laughs> oh, for sure. sure. <laughs> like, rule number one in life is like, don't tell people how to raise their kid, right? Um, yeah. But Jean says, you know, you got to listen to your mom too. It's a two-way street. So that is like the, that's Jean's motto as a mom. It's a two-way street. Um. So then Ellen and Tiffany, um, aka Jenny, sorry. I call her Tiffany sometimes in my notes. They talk by a lake <laughs> and we find out that Ellen's baby daddy is like, he is not in the picture he calls but he doesn't even ask about Celeste he's very uninteresting and her new boyfriend Dan keeps calling her fat too and Jenny's like well I've got apple cheeks and you know like as (laughs) if that's the same thing like her beautiful high cheekbones are the same as like a teenager recovering from pregnancy like are you kidding me I was also like oh you know I have like a teeny tiny
2: little button nose so I understand what you mean (laughs)
1: My hair is too shiny. <laughs> um, which, by the way, like if that was motive to kill her, like I would understand. But like right? this other stuff makes no sense. Um, but yeah, so she they carve um, Jen, uh, Jenny, and Ellen, friends to the end, into a tree with a pocket knife because it has you know it's basically like we're friends for forever. Apple cheeks <laughs> or fatness, whatever. So then um, they go to a mall. And every guy at this mall is leering at Jenny like it's true '90s horniness that like yeah. would never pass in today's world. But like guys are like ay 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 like they are, they're so <laughs> corny and extra with how they're like ta- they're all like just like leering like pervs. Um, so
3: yeah, yeah I, thought, at what I, thought, I yeah. yeah go ahead. Oh, I was just like I, I just loved their the entire time that um I'm gonna call her Tiffany too. Jenny was alive, um like the, juxta- the juxtaposition between Ellen and Jenny and just like their outfit choices is is so telling for what their friendship is like because because Jenny was she, Jenny was showing up to the mall. She was in a fit. She had her nice little um, so cute hat and her little yellow and white outfit and of course the boys are gonna look at her it's the mall you show up you show up to be looked at at the mall in the 90s that's what it is
1: totally (laughs) and ellen is probably still wearing like her maternity clothes like they have her looking so unfortunate throughout this whole movie yeah yeah bad haircut too like a haircut that could be cute on a lot of people but on ellen it was just depressing and her name is like ellen like it's just like (laughs) you know i've also always wondered what it would
2: be like um like in a movie role or tv role having to be cast as like the frumpy friend yeah the actress that plays ellen is not in any way like unattractive they're going out of their way to make her look like the frumpy friend but like What is that like to be like, yeah, we're just gonna like cast you. You're gonna be like the ugly one, (laughs) like, you know, Jenny's the hot one, you're gonna be the ugly one, you're gonna murder her. Like, how do you go through that? Like the casting list, like who talks to you before that? Because I don't know. Like
1: Oh, I mean, I think like your agent makes your options clear to you when you (sighs) are signed. Like they're like you're you're more of like a friend of role. Like you're more of like the you're um God, why am I forgetting the name of the character? It's like not that sh- like Tiffany Ambertheson, classic ingenue, right? She is a <laughs> classic, just like, you know, beautiful girl. Like, no question that she would ever be. It would be insulting if they ever tried to make her seem like a normal girl in a movie. Right. Um, but then, you know, I looked at Margaret Wells, who played Ellen. I mean, she seems to have played some. I mean her IMDB pictures kind of sexy and whatever that top is aside, you know, she seems (laughs) to have something going on for her. (laughs) Um, And she has been on quite a few shows. I mean, I'm not really sure on like what her MO is in terms of her normal role, but she definitely is like a character actress, uh, as they would politely refer to it in a movie like this, I think. Mm. Um, and that's a conversation for sure. Like you, it's so, in, I I think about that all the time. Like when someone just clocks you and says like, you're not, you're not the lead, honey. Like you are, <laughs> you're tortured, Ellen. Um, so we, um, you know, we're at the mall and then I, this Tiffany is like, Jenny's like oddly framed by like two racks of white shirts, which I found to be like really Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, is it, it's, I'm going to do a Degrassi thing here. Um, (laughs) but like, are they trying to frame her between these white t-shirts and these white tank tops in like an angelic way? Like, cause the store I'm referring to it as the white t shirt store in my notes because there's other stuff there, but she's just perfectly framed between these white shirts. Um, she's looking adorable in her outfit, checking herself out. And I think also they turn to maybe what is a little bit of Jenny's own vanity a couple times in this movie. Like she's someone who definitely mm-hmm. is not just the pretty girl that doesn't really know it, like she knows she's good looking. Um so we're gonna play this scene where Ellen confronts her and then we get a, a classic love to see it, a little shoplifting moment. <laughs> so four forty five to seven thirteen.
4: What? I swear to God, girl, someday you're gonna get jumped. Just having fun. Fun doesn't mean going after Dan, does it?
5: Now, why would you say something like that? Ellen?
0: You used to go out with him. Look, it's been all over between me and Dan way before you started going out with him.
4: I know. Just look at you and look at me. I mean, I got a kid and... You have everything. Everybody loves you. You've got the perfect mom. I wish I could trade lives with
0: you. Ellen, it's not true. I mean, you're smart. You're passionate. You're my best friend. And I love you.
4: I love you, too, Jen. (laughs) No way. No, I... We didn't steal anything. I was walking around the store with some stuff and, and Jenny sees some guy outside and goes to talk to him and she's got the money. You know I don't have any. So I go to get her and they nailed us. Is that what happened, Jenny? Yeah. Did the store clerk know about this? Of course he did, but he's not going to believe us. <sighs> well, I, I don't know. They told me something different. I'm sorry I can't stay with you right now, but I'm late for work. This chicken in the fridge. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Okay. So this is not Ellen's first rodeo. Mm-mm. <laughs> She knows how to manipulate whoever Diane is to her. And we're going to find out that apparently Ellen is adopted, which is something they added to this character. Um, And she says like later, she says like a beat later, they're walking down the street and Ellen's eating a straight up pint of ice cream. Um, <laughs> he says like, <laughs> Oh, like, you know, whenever they, you know, whenever I do something bad, like they don't make that big of a deal of it because I'm adopted. So they know it's not their DNA. Um, and well, let, do you want to get into the adoption of it all now?
2: Liner. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: ok, let's just cut to the adoption part. So I feel like adopted kids while, you know, we all know the statistic that like, there can be some emotional disturbance. Like that's not an an abnormal thing. I feel like people lean on adoption in a weird way when they want to explain why someone is sort of like, fucked up in a movie. And I really hate that. And I think that, It's just, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, if you went into a court of law and said, like, I murdered someone, but, Your Honor, I'm adopted. Like, that just (laughs) wouldn't, that's not, that's not how it works. And I just thought it was, like, sort of an unfortunate thing that they added to this. Because as far as I know, the real, um, the real woman was not, Karen was not adopted. Nor was she a single mom. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's a very th- yeah. Go, no, ahead, go sneak. ahead. No, you. Okay. no you. I think that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I think like when I think of like older movies like this, especially like the eighties and nineties, like it was very much like the adoption was for some reason like still a taboo thing and yeah, like, and an embarrassment to like say that you adopted a kid or were adopted as a child and and i thought that was very weird in this movie that they were like oh well this kind of adds to her like craziness that she's adopted so like everything on top of everything else like she's definitely fucked up because she's adopted it's like (laughs) what
2: (laughs) yeah it gave me very strong like anne of green gables vibes like are mm -hmm. people still acting like adopting a kid is like I don't know, like, because essentially it's like you're explaining away that why this person is fucked up because, like, who knows what their real parents were like? So, like, that's why she's like this.
1: Which my DNA is broken. Yeah, like, it's really yeah. messed up.
2: But also, and- I feel like they threw it in. Um. So before I re- before she says that she's adopted, I remember thinking like. Okay, nothing about Ellen's mom indicates that she's any worse than Jean. Because, like, she frames it as, like, oh, my God, you have the mm-hmm. perfect mother. And I'm like, well, her mom is annoyed in the situation because, like, she just found out her daughter is shoplifting. So I don't know if they're thinking, like, we have to justify why Ellen, like, has this weird, like, mommy issue. Like, why, <laughs> why she's obsessed <laughs> with Jean so much? Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, the mm. Jean obsession, I thought bordered on almost sexual at times, to be honest. Like I felt, (laughs) and I hate that. I hate projecting that onto movies. Like people like women in movies can have a, a special connection. That is not necessarily a romantic one, but it did seem to be a more like primal obsession that she had with Jean Um and also like you know definitely i mean it, it, this was like the prime time of being like you're adopted like you would just say that to someone like as an insult oh um, my
2: god! That's you so know cute. like i still tell my sister that
1: yeah well <laughs> now i feel like it's like uh you know post ironic sort of moment where <laughs> where it's Actually, pretty chic to be adopted because, like, they the truth is with like adopted kids is like their parents genuinely really wanted them, yeah, as opposed to most of us, which are you know just products of our parents smashing or whatever. But, um, (laughs) yeah, like also the single mom thing, like, I just felt like it was very stigmatizing, um, of those two things and kind of lazy, like, there, there's there has to be something much more sinister about someone than being adopted or uh, being a teen mom um but okay so then you know she says ellen's like don't worry about it like i'm gonna have carla steal it for you um and that's her solution to all of this so um then jenny's mom uh comes into the kitchen and she's holding the bikini and she's like wear this you know where's this from and like by the way Thank God, because in most of these movies, these parents have no idea their kid is shoplifting unless oh my
3: gosh, yeah. they oh.
1: see them get arrested. Whereas, like, <laughs> I would say my mom had a pretty intense inventory on my belongings. Oh yeah, um, yeah. and I, I, you know, yeah,
3: I, I stole a chapstick once, and Nami from a store. I like, I think I Nami stole. I think I got it from someone or something, and my mom was like interrogating me about, like, where it came from, how long have I had it, <laughs> Also, fucking chapstick, so... <laughs> forget anything else.
2: Right. I mean, I that's- haven't lived with my mom in two years, and when she sees me, she still is like, that's new.
3: Never seen that one.
2: Like, <laughs> like yeah. Damn, I bought it! Like... <laughs>
1: Yeah. And so her mom's basically like, you know, I've been saving my birth. She says she's been saving her birthday money or whatever. And her mom's like, "Uh, no, you didn't because your car keys, they were at the police station. That's where you left them. Like, I know what happened. You're in trouble. You're grounded forever. And she's like, but I didn't steal anything. It was Ellen and Carla. They went back and got it. And, um, you know, Jean says that her whole thing here is that she was raised by strict parents and wanted to be looser with her kids, but not that loose. Like shoplifting isn't going to fly, which, you know, I mean, I have to say I didn't really see Jean as being a not strict parent i just saw her as someone who was a little bit more easygoing like you know she's fine with like the kids like you know drinking all the sodas and like having a barbecue in the backyard um which is kind of just easygoing behavior Mm -hmm. it's not like they're getting like ripped there or anything but yeah again she says that like you know This has to be a two-way street with us. So Jenny says, well, like, you lied to me too, Mom. You lied about the divorce. You lied about Dad's (laughs) girlfriend. I had to walk in on them. And I was like, oh, God. Uh, (laughs) It came
2: out of nowhere, too.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, like, how things go in real life. Like, with parents and kids, like, these small resentments that are not that small at all, they're, like, sort of formative moments, build up. And... Sometimes they are responsible for your behavior a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't think the bikini is because she walked in on her dad banging some lady, but <laughs> you know, that's definitely something that she sits with. So, you know, her mom's basically like, "Listen, I draw the line at shoplifting and being a coward." Um, which I loved. I love, <laughs> I love that she hates cowardice because that's my biggest pet peeve as well. I hate a coward, guys. Not my thing.
3: Well, you would get yeah. along great with Jenny's mom. You guys could be old pals.
1: I, I fucking wish, dude. Are you kidding me?
3: An old stakeout one of these nights, just
1: dude. The they're like,
2: going.
1: she could be nine <laughs> minutes from my house right now. Like, we're I'm pretty close to her. I mean, would it be weird? She'd find this. She'd find this podcast eventually. And I, if I Ellen her again. If I'm like, hey, I'm just walking by in the neighborhood. Like, do you need a surrogate daughter? um
2: I mean, I hope at that point it's a fool me once, you know, kind of you know shape on you. Because as she gets fooled again, it's like, okay, come on.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Like, I that would be me. I would be Jean. I would like let five people move in with me before I figured out that's probably not the way to go. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we get to see another moment of sort of w- what Ellen's character is all about, because she pulls up her car, like the way she turns the corner when she's driving, as if like, you know, she just has nothing to lose. It's like sort of like psycho behavior where it's like impulsive, mm-hmm. makes bad decisions. Like she just pulls around this corner like a bat out of hell. Um and she bounces up to the house and then rings and knocks on the doorbell like such an aggressive person. Um, I'm going to play the clip, but and include this knock and doorbell combo because <laughs> this is you know maybe yes at this time in particular someone might have had their tv on loud and they wouldn't have been able to hear you but for the most part this is obnoxious for a 16 17 year old girl to do especially one that typically has a sleeping baby at home like you just don't need to create that much of a racket she's not
3: self-aware at all
1: and then after this scene, we're going to go to a moment where Jenny is massaging her mom. Um, <laughs> in this scene, we find out why, why they might be a little tight on money and a $65 bathing suit is like absolutely out of the question for them. Um, this clip is 942 to 1134.
6: Hey. You can't
0: come in, I'm grounded. Jean doesn't mean me. I mean you. You know, I don't know why I listened to you. I mean, I just caved in. I knew what you did was wrong, and I just caved in. (laughs) It's not my fault you got caught. It's your fault that you and Carla stole the suit.
5: I know my part in all this. Then take
4: your part. I have. You have not?
0: Grow up, Ellen. No, I accepted my responsibility and I'm grounded and you can't come in. End of story. Mm. Mm. Mom, this is not the most scientific way <sighs> to treat a fused vertebrae.
6: Oh, but it always feels so much better when you do it. <sighs> well, a couple more months I should be off disability. I never thought I'd be glad to go back to bookkeeping. <laughs> Mm. Mom, Hmm?
0: I'm sorry The things I said
6: It's okay, Jen I have a confession to make I overheard what you told Ellen today I'm very proud of you for recognizing the wrong in what you did
0: It's very mature Does that mean I'm not grounded forever? (sighs) Come on, come on Make it a week Yes Rob (laughs) I'm sorry
6: I know you're very angry at Ellen, and you should be, but you shouldn't lose sight of the fact that you two have been best friends for a long time, and part of growing up is learning to forgive.
1: It's that time of the show where I thank our sponsor, and I am thrilled to tell you once again that this episode is brought to you by my favorite mobile puzzle game, Best Fiends. Sometimes you just need an escape from your day, something to pass the time or relieve your brain from stress. When I turn to my phone for a break, I pull up Best Fiends. You can play for as little or as long as you want, wherever you want, because you can play Best Fiends even when you don't have access to Wi-Fi. In the game, your enemies are slugs, and your squad are cute little bug characters with special skills that you collect along the way. You evolve the characters with the prizes you win at the end of each level, so they get stronger and better at helping you beat the slugs. It's fun and colorful and easy to understand, but it's challenging enough that it doesn't feel mindless. I would know. I'm currently on level 881. Not only are there thousands of levels in Best Fiends, but the game updates monthly with new themes and challenges that are cute nods to current seasons and holidays. So, engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay. You know, sometimes you just got to massage your mom, you know?
3: (laughs) Okay. As a former um, exercise science major that studied, uh, you know, physical therapy a little bit, that's not how you treat a fused vertebrae ever. So I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know what she's
0: doing.
1: (laughs) I would say, like, when I was watching this scene, I was thinking to myself, oh, God, people, when they started to date Tiffany, Amber Thiessen, must have been so bummed out at how bad she is at massaging. Because that's the thing, right? Like, when you're in a new relationship with someone, you're like, hey, can you rub my shoulders for a sec? And they just fucking, they don't know what they're doing. Like, they are a mess. Like, that is the absolute worst. You're like... Fuck, I should have, like, run this by them before (laughs) I agreed to be in a relationship with them. Um, But, yeah, like, I thought they have a very sweet relationship. You know, it's very, like, sweet that her mom acknowledged that her daughter did the right thing. It's also really nice that she's fighting for her friendship with Ellen. Of course, you know, I think baby Celeste is part of the reason why... Um, she wants us, Jean wants us to work so well between them is because she's like invested in Ellen fully. Yeah. 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 I know, but I would have
2: I looking back at, you know, myself when I was around that age, I also hated it when my mom would like step in and try to make me be mature and the bigger person. (laughs) It's just like if I'm having a fight with someone like yeah, it's the right thing to, like, forgive them or whatever. But it would just piss me off more if she was, like, you know, you need to talk to your friend. You know, she's she's her friend. Like, she's going through stuff. And I'm, like, but I want to be a baby right now, Mom. Like, let me be a baby.
1: <laughs> Dude, my mom was such a fucking cock block. She would literally, like, <laughs> she would say, like, if she ever heard me and my friends, like, picking on someone, like, just, like, you know, just talking shit about someone behind their back, like, in the car after school or whatever, my mom would fully call that person's house and be like, do you want to have a sleepover with Molly this weekend? And like my mom would make me go sleep at their house and be nice to them.
3: (laughs) I definitely get this vibe from Jean that I feel like Jenny and Ellen really aren't that close of friends, but I feel like, Gene has kind mm-hmm. of forced them. I feel like they probably were friends when they were younger and they've like grown out of it maybe. And I feel like Gene is constantly like pushing them back together being like, you need to be there for Ellen. She's a single mom. She doesn't have a social life. Like you need to be there for her yep. and keep up this relationship. And it doesn't seem like I that's what Jenny wants to do. fully
2: agree with that. Because even earlier on at the barbecue, um, in like the, the first scene, there's a bit where Jenny comes into the kitchen and she's like, "Did you mom? Did you see the way that the guys treated Ellen?" And it happens again where Jean's like, "Oh, well, you know, you have to be there for your blah blah blah." blah. And I'm like, "But I get the vibe that Jenny has definitely like ascended, like socially, and has these like friends that Ellen might know and might be kind of cool with, but for the most part, Jenny is kind of like." you know, she's a cool girl. She also doesn't have, like, a five-year-old kid at home, so she can, like, have a life. Like, I definitely feel that way about Jean, that she's, like, forcing this relationship between these two people.
1: I agree. And, like, you know, in real life, we have to remember Karen moved into an apartment with her boyfriend in high school, which is super fucking weird, Um, Mm -hmm. especially because they did not have a kid. It wasn't like they were raising a kid together. It's just, like, I always think that's so like such a warning sign when there's a teenager living with their boyfriend. Um, and that is what we see in this movie. But, um, you know, they're like across town in a trailer park. Um, we know it's a trailer park because there's a dog barking. <laughs> <laughs> That's like how they let you know in movies. They're like, yeah, listen to that dog, okay? That's how poor they are. Um, as if rich people don't have like crazy ass dogs too. Like it's so it's so strange how that's like a marker of class in a movie. Like just like a some pit bull going nuts in the background. I
2: never noticed that, but now I'm going to notice it every time it happens.
1: Yeah, poor people have dogs that bark, duh. Um, and they're always so, outside.
3: They're never indoor dogs.
1: Just barking at True. nothing. Like, <laughs> the, like the spirits of the people who have died in that trailer park. So mm-hmm. um, Ellen lives there now. Um, there's like, you know, we see Dan is just like chugging beers in a <laughs> lazy boy in the living room. It's so bleak. It reminds me very much of like Roseanne when Mark and Becky moved oh, into that trailer. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, she says she wasn't getting freedom at her mom and dad's place. So this place, you know, with the alcoholic in the living room is much better because they get to party all the time. No one ever tells her to turn her music down. Plus, she likes having a man beside her in bed every night. And Jenny says that, like, she's actually heard rumors that Dan is not in bed with her every night Um, and that their fighting is pretty bad. And Ellen's not worried about it because fighting is normal. And, you know, she has food stamps now and she's on welfare. And I love, like, that <laughs> dumb teenage confidence. It's like, don't worry about it. I got food stamps. <laughs>
3: <laughs> As she's literally dressing her child and, like, threatening to beat her ass, like, on the bed. Like, <laughs> it was just yeah. so dark.
2: And also talking about having a man beside her in bed. And she sounded like a worn out, like, single mom from like the 1950s. It was just like a very weird vibe or an odd thing to hear like a 70-year-old girl say.
1: Yeah, it's just mm. been so long since she's had the warmth <laughs> of a man next to her. <laughs> um so you know jenny is pretty disturbed by the fact that ellen just told celeste she's gonna like smack her ass if she doesn't stop moving when she puts on her pajamas which like every kid wiggles when you put their pajamas on it's just what kids do so Mm -hmm. she's like happy to go get Celeste's bottle in the kitchen when she's asked and when she goes out to the i guess i guess it's a kitchen um she goes out there (laughs) and she has to pass dan and like the way that she sort of braces herself to pass him is very telling um, because she's just like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't even see me. Um, and as soon as she walks back to the bedroom, he pulls her into his lap and asks her you know, when they're going to get back together. And he tries to give her a kiss. And Ellen comes out right at that moment and just sees the behind shot. She sees uh, Jenny on her boy, boyfriend's lap, you know, food stamps aside, all of a sudden things are not going so well for her anymore. Um, so she's like, what the hell's going on? Jenny, you're like, you know, why are you doing this to me? Um, why are you going for my man? You're supposed to be my friend. And Jenny's like, I didn't do anything. But Ellen tells her like, you know, she quite aggressively kicks her out. Um, and she walks away into the night. Um, and I'm a little bit surprised with Jean being cool. Would Jenny going to like hang out at a trailer park by herself at night, seemingly without her vehicle. <laughs> she's a cool mom.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like she gives up that cool mom vibe. Like, you know, let's paint the picture. She, you know, she's the mom that everyone comes to hang out with and like, she doesn't want to be as strict as, as her parents were. And so she wants to be like in a better kind of more relaxed relationship with Jenny. But like, Realistically, what that looks like is like your teenage daughter going to the trailer park partying <laughs> with Dan. Like that's the realistic situation of being a lax parent in in that area. That's just what it is,
1: yeah. And of course, like it very much is this area because like, to my in like this fictional area because in my, experience or knowledge like there's not many trailer parks in Los Angeles. I mean, I know in real life it was an apartment, but they're really trying to like paint a picture of Ellen being very downtrodden. Um so we find out that she Jenny has this older brother um named Greg and he has a wife named Cheryl and um you know, she's like, "When am I going to have grandkids?" and they're all at this Labor Day like end of summer picnic park thing. Um, And she's like, Jenny, get up. Stop worrying about, you know, stop worrying about Ellen. It's the last day of summer. And, you know, Jenny's pretty transparent about the fact that she hates Labor Day, which I totally feel. Like when you were a kid, there's nothing worse than Labor Day. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Though
2: our schools actually opened before Labor Day. I forgot about that. I (laughs) think in
1: Massachusetts, we... We always opened like the Monday after or like the Tuesday after Labor Day or something because um, we are very limited in our window of like enjoyable summer. So we never started before Labor Day and it, it very much felt like. But yeah, no, are you kidding me? In LA, kids are back on like August 15th or something. Like they don't, you're back in school before summer's even over. Um, yeah, I
2: remember we shoot. would start school like the week before. It was stupid too, because then we would be like open the Monday before Labor Day and then we would have a long weekend and then start a four <laughs> yeah. week the next week. It was very, I don't, I think they changed it again, but it was very like stupid. So I never grew up with that like weird attack, anger against like Labor Day, because it was like, well, it just was in the middle of my, I don't know, first month of school, basically. Yeah.
1: It's just like the ultimate, like, Sunday sad sort of day. Because mm. you're like, oh, it's like the ultimate Sunday. Like,
6: <laughs> shit <Yeah. is>
1: fucking <laughs> over, dude. So, um, you know, she says, like, senior year. Her mom tells her senior year is the best. You're going to go to prom. You're going to find out where you're going to college. So it's also all very sad thinking about how much at this time at this point in time Jenny had coming up for her in life. She's mm-hmm. that young. Um so this like cute floppy hair guy, Steve, comes up and I don't know, like Steve back at um the original house party, he was dating this girl named Carla, and mm-hmm. they were like making out in the living room. And Jean's like, guys, go outside with that. So um Steve tells her that he's actually he and Carla are dunzo. Um and, you know, he's thinking maybe the two of them can get together. And as they're walking, a guy on a motorcycle comes flying at them. And um Steve's like, God, that guy's a crazy idiot. He's going to kill somebody someday. Um, And so, you know, he tells her more about Carla and him breaking up. She was way too jealous. Basically, she tried to do the classic setup that maybe <laughs> teens do more now because of social media. But... The idea that like Carla basically found a friend of hers to be a plant and to go in <laughs> and try and like fuck Steve and see what he would do. And so I guess the plan didn't work, but she, he still broke up with her because he thought it was crazy, which it is. It's crazy. Um, and Steve leans in and kisses her and the music swells and we see, oh, no, Carla is in her car watching this whole thing and she is not happy about it at all. Um. So Jenny says, you know, she wants to do the right thing and and have a conversation with Carla because it's the right thing to do. And she really doesn't want there to be like bad blood going into this, but she's ready to date Steve. So um, she's walking through the woods by herself when some guys in bushes throw a shit ton of firecrackers at her.
3: (laughs) So many firecrackers.
1: And I don't know, like, it does seem pretty dangerous. It also seems like she's kind of like the pretty girl who overreacts a little bit because, like, the way people come running t- toward her when she's like are you guys i'm scared um her brother goes to, like chase down the guys that did this to her she's absolutely hysterical her mom like surmises that absolutely nothing is wrong with her because she checks her face and sees that her face is still intact so she's like you're fine it's okay and i'm like oh my god jean like a way to like give away her value in this world Like, her, she could have like a spinal fusion on the you know on the horizon herself but you didn't even bother look at that um so she um you know jenny sits on her porch the next day and i don't know if you caught this do you guys know the movie it follows This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming, and when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code PASTEL at bookofthemonth.com. That's code PASTEL at bookofthemonth.com.
0: You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea.
1: there's this like it sort of like takes place in i don't know it's a little bit dystopian but this one thing all the characters have is like a e-reader it's like a kindle that is inside oh, of a yeah. shell Mm -hmm. And so Jenny has this little mirror that like looks like a seashell, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the thing from It Follows because I that was like my number one takeaway from It Follows is how cool it would be to have like a little clamshell you open and you can read it like a Kindle. Um,
3: I thought that was a Polly Pocket.
1: (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair.
3: (laughs) Did, Did they look like that? It I did look cool. look
2: like that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they really have been trying to like frame Jenny as this like innocent girl, so if they want to just throw in with her like sitting there playing Polly Pockets <laughs> before she gets murdered, <laughs> just to drive that message home. Oh. Like.
1: I know, like the town slut still plays with Polly Pocket, guys. Like, she is, you cannot underestimate how sweet this girl is. But no, again, it's like sort of a hint to her vanity. Like, this girl clearly just got ready and like looks perfect. And then she can't help herself from bringing out that little clamshell before she goes to take off. So, Carla pulls up and Jenny calls to her mom and says, Mom, I'm leaving. And her mom comes outside and is like, Have fun, be home by six. Um, But, before she leaves you know jenny it's on jenny's spirit to like go run back up to her mom and tell her that she loves her and she just wanted her to know that and she gives her a big hug um which is very you know sweet i've thought and thank god for for jeans for jeans sake
3: well, i i knew that this that i was like oh she's about to die like this is it like,
0: <laughs> she's never
3: any i don't just, think i've ever done that before If I were to do that to my mother today, she'd be like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's going on? Why are you telling me this?
1: (laughs) It would be so weird. So, um, that night, Jenny's mom is at the kitchen table, just sort of like reading the paper or something when she gets a phone call. And, you know, just from the music that she's about to get some bad news. Um, and then after she gets that phone call, she's going to go ahead and give Ellen a call. Um, I'll just say that from the way Carla is on this phone call, I'm going to play the scene, but the way that Carla is on this phone call, my mom right away would be like, something's up. Like Carla's lying. Like there's, there's just um, the way this conversation goes. There's just too many answers, but also questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's play 1750 to 1854.
5: Oh, hi, Jean. Is Jenny there? Carla? I thought she was with you. No. I dropped her off at the park. She met a couple guys in a red Monte Carlo.
6: I went to get gas, so when I got back, she was gone. Well, what guys? What Monte Carlo?
5: I don't know. I'm sure it's cool. When she gets in, would you ask her to
6: call me?
7: Mom, uh, is everything all right?
4: Hello? Is Jenny
6: with you? No, she's not here. Did you see her at the park? No, I've been
4: here at my cousin's birthday party all day. She's probably with Steve.
6: I called. He's not home. I'm getting really worried.
4: She's okay, Jean. You know Jenny. She's probably out with some friends. I'll check it out. But I gotta go now because they're blowing out the candles. Okay, bye. Bye.
1: Okay, so let's go through the things that these girls have <laughs> revealed. She, you know, just calling to see if she got home okay. I dropped her off with some boys in a um a, mo- a red Monte Carlo. Like she might as well have been like license plate six TL eight nine five. Um, you know, she was about you know I'd say, uh five. Thirty-eight when I dropped her off, and when I circled back, it was about six oh two. Like it was, <laughs> you just like gave too many fucking details. And then when mm-hmm. she calls Ellen, Ellen's like she's probably with Steve, and I'm like, oh really? St- like so, what is what are we to know about Steve? Because as far as we know, Carla and Jenny have not even had the Steve conversation. So why does Ellen know that she might be with Steve? Yeah,
2: yeah. they didn't play this right.
1: They thought they were so smart. And you know what? They kind of were. They kind of, they kind I of mean, really it lasted
2: really long without anyone <laughs> getting them. So,
1: yeah, in real life and like in this movie, like it is painstakingly long. Um, how, you know, I don't know. I just, I think after, after the year mark, I would start to think maybe I'm in the clear if this was me. Yeah. Yeah. But Ellen just keeps digging, dude. She can't. She is like a dog with a bone. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Jenny's mom waits out for her on the porch. And when we when it turns to morning, we see that she slept out on that porch, wrapped in a blanket. Um, there's a couple guys that are going through the hike. They're just random. I kind of loved these like extras that they got to find the body. <laughs> 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 like, the way they were, like, bopping along, like, it was so <laughs> aggressive, but also, like, they had no goal in mind, baby. Like, they were just there to, like, sort of make their way up and down the hill. They weren't workers. They they just were, like, guys. Um <laughs> And so one of them stops to get some water from the lake and he's like splashing his face with it. Um, And then all of a sudden he reaches back in and finds a gigantic chunk of hair. Like I would think it was a clip-in extension. There was so much there.
3: (laughs) Oh, I would (laughs) have thrown up right there.
1: I would have,
3: his reaction was so like,
2: yeah, it just was like, he picked it up and was like, oh, that's weird. Like, I feel like I would have flung it back into the water immediately. Like, that's disgusting.
1: (laughs) Totally. And then he looks up and sure enough, I don't know, based off of, like, sort of the way they were really looking up when they started to come towards the scene, um, how did they not see it? But um, they see Jenny's body is face down in the water with the gigantic stump on top of her. So... I don't um, go hiking or anything. You know, you're going to find a body eventually that is true or or you're going to be the body you know
3: yep. Ooh. so true
1: i'm not very good at nature and like i think i am but like that's the false confidence that gets you into trouble and it's only now <laughs> that i have a real fear for like my life and accidentally dying when i was younger i probably totally would have gone off on some like nature hike and gotten completely like Blair witched and like just not at all paid attention to where I was coming from and where I was going but yeah so she um, she, yeah so anyway Jenny's dead Um, her whole family is together now um, and her mom is on the phone frantically trying to fill in her ex-husband on what's going on and she's like yeah I called the I love that it's always like the deadbeat dad that's like we'll just call the police (laughs) Oh, it and it's is. like are you like balls deep in your secretary right now like can you like, tune in and He's by like, the way Jenny who yeah exactly <laughs> and can we also just address Adam the forgotten child like the sweet oh, boy that God. sees his mom upset on the phone and is like is everything okay mom and she's his like name yeah, I didn't know now.
2: until three quarters through the movie because I don't remember anyone saying his name ever
1: yeah same with Cheryl like you don't know Cheryl's name till the movie's nearly over yeah oh man um but yeah she's like yeah i called the fucking police um so you know she she tries to pick a fight but she doesn't take the bait she's like we've got better things to focus on right now so then it happens the car pulls up to the house we see a man and a woman in the car and you know right away it's the detectives about to do the knock 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 we're sorry to inform you moment um and she turns to the female detective, turns to the guy and is like, tell me, does this ever get any easier? And he's like, no, um, because of course it doesn't. Like, literally, yeah. that's so traumatizing mm-hmm. to have to go inform people that their child is dead.
3: Oof. I mean, yeah. just like the this stoic, you know, emotionless detective personality, because they just that's how they have to live. And... Just constantly telling people yeah. that people are good. Yeah.
1: Now, I will say that Jean, a.k.a. Patty Duke, gives us an all-star lifetime cry. Oh, yeah. Um, we're not going to listen to it because it <laughs> would be just so strange for me to play five <laughs> seconds of her screaming. <laughs> but you you just have to trust us that it's a very iconic. Um, and it, it, it brings us there. Right away, yeah. you're like, okay. I see. She's very... I did abandoned.
2: tear up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It was very like... It was a very primal like scream yeah. that was unexpected too because it's like silent outside of the house and then suddenly they're just screaming and yeah. <laughs> the shit out of me.
1: Patty Duke really went there. I wonder what happened in her trailer that day to bring that emotion to the top, you know? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Because even like right immediately after, because they like pan in and she's like you know like beating the chest of the detective and like going completely berserk because her daughter just died her golden child in her mind just died and she's not having it at all
1: in her mind she doesn't give a shit about these two other kids
2: Daddy <laughs> is an only child okay <laughs> Like these are cousins
1: like- <laughs> I'm surprised Jean wasn't like why couldn't it have been Adam <laughs> if i do it over again it would be adam (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so another thing i want to point out again is that this movie has budget because this was like a Mao. this was a a straight up nbc movie of the week and we like all of these movies that we've done on this show that were that we include this because this is considered to be a lifetime movie. This was obviously like, like bought by lifetime as soon as they could get the rights to rerun <laughs> the shit out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, so she watches the home movies that night, but she's really glad about that investment now. And, um, she's just like absolutely destroyed seeing these videos of her little girl growing up. And I, yeah, I'm like I'm at this moment I feel I feel so much for Jean that I wrote in my notes that I'm more mad that they did this to her than I am that they killed Jenny. Ooh. Isn't that fucked up? That's fucked up, Molly.
3: <laughs> well, I think also like we just Jean's character just was given more. Like we knew barely anything about Jenny at all except for that she was the town slut. And so like <laughs> <laughs> we, the, we 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 get a lot about Jean and her character and, you know, who she is as a mom. And it's Patty. So, like, we just feel for her.
1: Yeah, I mean, this true. is why yeah. Lifetime is so great, though, because it's like television for women. Like, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Like, we're still going to put a woman, like, tormented by this at the center of this. And, like, you're going to follow this woman's journey. Like I do love that about lifetime is like every single woman in these movies is somewhat of a victim in some way. Like Mm -hmm. with the exception of, I would say Ellen, although I guess at this time one could argue that being adopted is a terrible thing. Um, (laughs) Every single woman in this movie is very conflict driven um, and has like a lot of um, just, stuff they're working out you have you part of you sympathizes with almost every single female character in this movie um but yeah so someone comes knocking at the door and they have those little like white curtains <laughs> that like cover the two windows that are on either side of the door and you can just see ellen's little fucking bad haircut silhouette like <laughs> <laughs> through the curtains and so she goes to answer this door i'm going to play this scene it's just a couple of minutes long but it the probably the most important thing to note here is that Ellen is not crying at all. Um, no. Twenty three, twenty eight to twenty five,
4: thirty four. Heard it on the late news.
5: i don't understand
6: everybody loved jenny who would do this to such a sweet beautiful girl if i hadn't gone to that
4: stupid birthday party i would have been with her and this wouldn't have happened it's not your fault ellen (laughs) you were always there for her no No, we had a fight, and I never got a chance to apologize. And now she's gone forever.
6: I want to die, too. Don't say that. Where's Celeste? She's
4: at uh, Diane's house. I moved back there. What about Dan? Dan? that's just it. Uh, My fight with Jenny was his fault. And after I found that out, I couldn't live with him anymore. I should go. Could you?
6: Could you stay here tonight?
1: All right, it's when she says, "Can you stay the night?" That Ellen gives her this curious, sort of desire-filled but scared, like look. That I'm like, "Is she gonna? Are these two gonna make out? Like, what's gonna happen?"
3: <laughs> I thought I verbally said, "Are really we interesting kids?" like, yeah, they.
1: was
3: <laughs> <laughs> that awkward pause of like, okay, what. What's about to go down here? Like this tension is weird,
1: dude. Yeah. If you killed your best friend and then fucked her mom, like,
3: <laughs> power
2: move.
1: <laughs> oh, <imagine. laughs> dude? That, is, uh, that would be outrageous. And by the way, you know something like that has happened. Like you know,
2: yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Because there are
1: those women that like marry their. Like, their friend dies and then they marry their husband.
3: Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yes.
1: Yeah. Which is, like, I don't – Ellen
2: is – this bitch is cold because, like, <laughs> I, I've i always had, like, a terribly, like, guilty conscience. Like, even, like, as a kid, if something was broken and I know I didn't do it, I would still feel really guilty. Like, I could have stopped it or, like, maybe it's my fault. And I could not imagine, like, straight up murdering someone and then like showing up at their house like you're mourning their death. Like that's like that's next level.
1: And then having the balls to be like I wish I was dead too. It's my fault. Oh my and God. I'm like, "Yes. Yeah, it is your fault, but like not for the reasons <laughs> you think, you fucking crazy bitch." I mean, it's so manipulative. It's it's um, mm-hmm. you know, I and I really do believe that the real the real Ellen, like, probably did have this element of just, like, creating a foggy picture from the beginning. Like, I was a little surprised that in real life, apparently, that Ellen person, Karen, moved into the family's house. Um, but maybe not so – I mean, maybe not so surprised. Like, this, this couldn't have been, you know – based off of nothing so i mean just yeah. what a power move <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah. neither of you were raised catholic and i was wondering right no
3: i'm just christian not catholic i'm fascinated with catholics though
1: <laughs> i was yeah, gonna want to you, be
3: catholic when i was a kid
1: like what did you think because like for me this is like what funerals look like and i was wondering like from an outsider's perspective, like what this looked like to you?
3: Um, I think I like was kind of like, okay, it's a, it's a Catholic's, you know, funeral service. And then when the smoke thing came out, I was like, Are, what's happening? Like, that
1: frankincense, you got to get all those good church smells going. That stuff smells like <laughs> shit, but like it is low key, really comforting. And those like, um, I went to a funeral last year and when they just started saying the prayers, like I lost it because I forgot like how ingrained it isn't like those prayers were very triggering for me because I hadn't heard them in so long. And you really only hear them at like funerals or really serious situations. So I was sort of taken aback by it, but he did. The priest does say something about like, Oh, the compromised state of Jenny's body and you assume based sort of off of that statement, the fact that it's closed casket, that Jenny's family is clued into at least the nature of what happened to her body. Right. It's not all the details, but um, you know, when they bury her, uh, they supposedly have no idea exactly how she died or Which even is- really where she was
2: found. Which is crazy to me. It's like, at the very least they would know she drowned or right. she was drowned. Like, I mean, they might not know every detail, but she was literally found with a log on top of her face down the water. It's like, she probably drowned. Like that's safe to assume. It was, that was weird. That was very weird. And
1: also like who identified her, like there's yeah. a lot there. And um, you know, I understand like, you know, maybe if, there was like a scarf left or something. That's something that the police would hide, but we're supposed to believe that they fully just didn't tell this family how Jenny died and some very prominent details of her murder. Um, So the way, um, okay. So after the funeral, poor Jean is having like a panic attack outside of the church. She can't breathe. Um,
3: That's what it was. Okay, I really thought she was having an asthma attack. A panic okay, attack makes more sense.
2: <laughs> I also thought... I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, was like, I wrote, is <laughs> she crying? Having an asthma attack? A panic attack? Oh. But I definitely thought it was more of an asthma attack.
1: Yeah, um, that's like one of those like, if you know it, you can recognize it sort of things. Like, I was like, oh, I've been... Yeah, I've been there. Like- <laughs> well, the
2: thing is, I, I have anxiety. I've had one before. I don't know how I didn't recognize one. <laughs>
1: Maybe because Patty Duke just, like, gave us a new flavor? I guess. I guess it's, like, her Mm. panic attacks.
3: Different breathing (laughs) technique.
1: Yes. That's right. Panic attacks come in so many, you know, different flavors for sure. Um, Now, I didn't – okay, wait. One other great thing in this scene is she tells the priest to shut up about God. God wouldn't take a beautiful girl like her. I blame God. And I was like, ooh, I don't think you're going to be welcome back to the church. Like, but we have to remember he's a man of Christ and Christ forgives. That's his whole bit. Um, Catholics would, you know, Even though they make you go to confession and that's supposedly all about getting forgiven, like, I was very unclear on the fact as a child that, like, I wasn't going to hell. Like, I thought for sure I was going to hell, that God just had an absolute shit list on me, and that, you know, Jesus Jesus was watching and was furious. So... (laughs) At this point, we see a chick in a yellow car sobbing outside of the church. And at the time, to me, it wasn't clear that this is um, Kathy, the one who was um, less than pleased with her mother's parenting and wanted Jean to make a phone call. And I thought, wow, like, it's actually like, you know, pretty bold that Kathy didn't go to the funeral.
3: Wait, I thought that was Kathy. What about the phone call?
1: Um, oh, no. She's the one who said, like, um, will you, will you like, call my mom and tell her to be a better mom to me?
3: Uh, okay, yeah. That is weird that, so that she that, can't show up then. Because they're obviously close. Yeah, I'm like,
1: you've got Jean making phone calls to your mom. Maybe her mom said, like, you can't go to the funeral, of that nosy bitch. Like, I've <laughs> had enough with this fucking family. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now we're going to go to the police station, this is another like this is another two minute scene, guys. Sorry, I'm trying not to be too clip heavy, but with these particular movies, it's it's just so good. We're never going to get this back. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, once we do a movie, it's done forever. So I feel like you guys got to hear this good stuff. Also, I love the actress who plays a detective, Patricia uh, Staley. Loretta Swit is her name. Um yes. she is was born in nineteen thirty seven in New Jersey. And um it doesn't appear that she's dead off of her Wikipedia, which I'm like, you go girl. Oh and, <laughs> and her picture, her skin is looking as good as it does in this movie. Like her skin is tight Damn. on that face. Um let me see whatever like some of her Wasn't yeah, she, she did in Probably. Um, oh my god! Something in 2019. She's fully still alive. Yeah, she was in Mash, the Love Boat. I know
3: that was the same person from Mash. Wow.
1: Yeah, Hot Lips or something, right? The <laughs> yeah, she's the, the nurse. lady. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys like Mash heads? Like I, I feel like I'm older than you. And Mash was like that show that they reran, like after like after whatever was after Punky Brewster, like that it was like a very dark thing when the mash theme song came on in my house. I remember always being like, Ooh, what is this weird war show? <laughs> Don't get it, me wrong. I is. definitely
2: hated that show, but I, I watched a little bit of it. I think my dad used to like it. So I'd watch
1: it with him from yeah, time to time. It was
3: like, like <laughs> I didn't have cable. So like, this is what I suffered
1: right? through. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. For some reason, even though we also, like, you know, we had, like, five channels or whatever. For some reason, MASH could really drive me out of a room. Like, yeah. I was just like, I guess I'll go play outside. <laughs> it was like,
3: it was also, like, a boys show. Like, there was nothing. Yes. Like, it was no- nothing enticing to a young child or a young child that's a girl. Like, it just wasn't there for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that, and that I song didn't, like, didn't really hit. Like, it should have, like, you know
1: that is not a sitcom theme song like I'll just put it that way it was so sad like (laughs) when it started now I know obviously it's a sitcom about war so like the undertone is a lot of death but like Mm -hmm. the theme song sounded like death like it sounded like we were about to watch a show about dead people (laughs)
3: yeah
1: Um, but, you know, whatever. I'm sure there's like a community out there, like the way that Cheers had a whole resurgence. I'm sure we are headed mm. for a ma- like a mass a mash resurgence where all of a sudden people are tweeting about mash. Um, <laughs> but OK, so we're at the police station. I want to hear this clip. Um, it's very it's it's a sweet little scene. I'm always happy when this is a very relieving part of the movie for me as someone who. Who does these? Is I'm like, oh, finally, we're going to get some information. Oh, fine. I've been waiting for this info. So 2809 to 2941.
7: Do you want to come in? No. Yeah. We've
1: been canvassing the neighborhood. Your
7: daughter was very popular. Have a seat. Jenny saw all the
6: good people. I guess she learned that from me. Do you have any suspects?
7: well our best lead is from carla lewis the boys in the red monte carlo her description of the matches some pretty tough characters we know and we're running a check on them and of course we're checking into every red monte carlo registered in the state
6: her things Miss Monroe, like you
7: put them in a paper bag collins it's
6: all right Thank you. Uh, Miss Staley. Is it Miss? It's Detective Staley, actually. You don't know me. But you're going to. I'm a little woman with a big mouth and I will not rest until whoever killed my daughter is caught and punished. That makes two of us, because neither will I.
7: And it's missus, by the way. I have a daughter, Jenny Sage. Jean, I'm Pat.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> so much in this scene. Um, first of all, I love that she's like, she gets the evidence in like a shrink wrapped sort of bag, like one of those face bags that you use to save space under your bed or whatever. <laughs> But, like, the way she says, like, put it in a bag, Kevin, or whatever the guy's name is. It's like it's like a kid that's, like, tr- walking out of the house with a birthday gift. And the mom's like, Jesus Christ, go get one of the gift bags out of the closet. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so you
2: put it in a bag, Colin, you dumb bitch. Just like, <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> He's trying
2: so, his like, best, okay?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's obviously, like, his first day on the job. I mean, let's talk about this police station. So... When I hear this story took place in L.A., the nature of this police station makes a lot more sense because it's bustling there. And when we yeah. first start, it's a little bit like it's okay. The way that the si- the situation, the scene is miked, like the mic is is in the the boom mic seems to be in the front of the room. And because what you can hear even more loudly than them speaking is just some extra cop going to pick up a folder and like, you can crisply hear him like rumpling papers, but you can barely hear them in the background. And I'm like, what is that sound design? Because it (laughs) obviously is like a, a sound design sort of thing. I think they're trying to let you know, like this police station is really busy. But it's like completely disproportionate to the town that we're in, because when you see like their main drag and stuff like that, like you really feel that this is a town where everyone knows each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And while the valley can be a little bit of like a small town suburb, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it has that quality to it necessarily. Um, But, you know, this woman is like, you know, Gene is sitting in the waiting room and the detective finally comes out. This is like a murder like in this town. I wouldn't think that murders happen often. And maybe I'm just spoiled on law and order SVU where like victims can just walk into like the SVU place and be like, can I speak to <laughs> Detective Benson? I'm like, you are like Captain Benson. I'm like, oh, this Manhattan PD is giving you access to Captain Benson just because you walked in off the street. Um yeah. And then poor, I'm looking at poor Jean just sitting in the lobby waiting to, you know, hear if anyone gives a shit about her daughter being murdered. Um, yeah, I, it was, um, it's a, it's interesting how the police station seems to be different from whatever town they're in, but maybe they didn't want to make it like a too much of a small town detective because then she's completely in, incompetent if she can't figure out Ellen did this. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> or figure out how think, she died because <laughs> that's still a mystery too
1: <laughs> right
3: yeah and I think it. yeah it's weird because it's you know obviously they're kind of paying a picture of a small town but the fact that you know Gene is coming up here like really frustrated that no one has done anything that's usually kind of the case when like it's like an overworked police department and like they don't have enough time like there's too many cases also going on at the same time that they don't have the resources to like attend to a murder like this um or even if they knew if it was a murder again we didn't know they didn't tell us so
1: yeah but thank god Jean has a peer an ally someone who's on her <laughs> team here she really needed that because she's surrounded by snakes um Except for Adam, who she will never pay attention to, despite his sweetness and attentiveness at all turns for what appears to be a 15 year old boy. So um, the motorcyclist is still, you know, wreaking havoc. He's riding around town. Um, We see Pat confronts Ellen outside of a grocery store and tells her that she needs to know everything about Jenny. um, And she's the best person to help her do that. So. Then we see Ellen go to Jean and she's like, this is too freaky for me. Like, it's just sick. They're trying to bring me in on this police investigation and I don't want to do it. Um, I think Carla had something to do with it. It's just so sick that they think that we would have something to do with this. Like the way she is coming at her, like the, the hysterics that I'm mimicking in my voice are pretty like on par with how dramatic she's being. And I'm just like, if I was Jean, I would be like, get out of my house. Like, why are you? I don't need this right now. Like, either help the police find your best friend's murderer or, like, get a counselor to talk to or something. Like, I can't help you process this. Oh, yeah.
2: But also, Ellen, so while she's going through hysterics, she says they don't buy our story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it because I also know what happens. But I feel like I've never said or never imply that someone didn't buy my story unless I was lying. Like, you don't ever say that if it's, like, actually what happened.
1: Right. It was weird. They don't believe me. Right. They don't
0: believe me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. That is a weird slip. Um, and there's a few, there's like a few things in this where I'm that are just like small, like either language things or behavior things where I'm like, Oh my God, please someone, I know you guys are all in grief and shock, but like, pay attention to the science come on i feel like
2: secretly adam is just overhearing all this and just compiling a notebook because no one sees him but he knows the truth
1: <laughs> i was know. waiting I was totally for that drop i was waiting for the drop the whole movie i was like please adam come through with like your little book of evidence that you've been putting together like the good boy you are He's like, doing his own investigation independently like just <laughs> totally um can
3: you imagine like you're like your mom, your your younger sister just died. And then your mom like decides to take in like the crazy, like again, cause Adam's already fed up that she's like basically fathering another child or mothering another child. That's always in the house, the baby. And like now like she's like taking in Ellen and like everyone knows that Ellen's like, like a psycho and like doesn't want to be around her and now like Ellen's constantly at every family event and like trying to <laughs> insert herself into the family like no thank you
1: Oh sad Ellen with her free babysitting like just getting free <laughs> babysitting all the time so you know jeans basically just like all we have right now is each other okay we got to stick together and Ellen's like you're right Um, and Jean says that, you know, they've got to be strong right now. And I'm like, Jean, you don't have to do this. Like you don't have to, Mm -hmm. you don't have to teach someone how to have empathy. This is not, you know, take a break, sweetie. But we see that she, Jean is still babysitting Celeste and she takes her to the park and she's pushing her on the swings and she's like, oh, we're not going to go too high. This is how Jenny got a scar on her knee. And Celeste asks where, where Jenny is when she's coming back. But before she can answer that, a red Monte Carlo comes up to the park and Jean starts to wave, you know, the person in it. She's trying to get them She's trying to catch the murderer, um, but they take off before she can get too close. And at the time I was like, oh, you know, Ellen's behind the wheel of that Monte Carlo. Like,
3: Uh, yeah. (laughs)
1: Just like increasing suspicion. It wasn't, but like, I, um, my thought immediately went to well, where's Ellen if is watching her kid? She's probably driving around a Monte Carlo trying to start false <laughs> stories. So you find out that Carla works at a little bakery in town, and that's the first time Jean gets to have one-on-one time with her. And she's like, "Oh, I've really missed you," you know. And Carla's like, "Oh yeah, I've been so busy with school and busy here." And Jean orders a loaf of rye sliced, and she's like, "So tell me about the day you went off with my daughter." You know, the day she got murdered. What do you know about the guy <laughs> in the, the guys in the Monte Carlo? And she's comes up to the cash register. She has the audacity to go two dollars, please. And I'm like, bitch. I know that in in the real life version, she was the one who sent the twenty dollar bill. So I'm like, you could have just made it eighteen and given her the free loaf. What is with like <laughs> sending? By the way, what is is that a thing? Like, do you give money to people when someone dies? I forget. No. So, I've never
2: heard of that. So it might be a cultural thing. Um, So backstory, my family is Liberian. They're from Liberia. And it's pretty common that if someone like dies, like sending over money, but usually the understanding is, and I think the reasoning is because, you know, a lot of the folks that we know are also like first generation and some of whom don't have very much money. So it's like, you just do it because it's like, they probably need help burying this person. Like, yeah, and girl. even if they don't need the help, you just kind of, like, send it. Like, I know when my grandma died, we got, like, tons of money from people that we didn't really even need. But it's just a thing. So maybe it's a cultural thing because it's normal for me. But I could see where that's definitely kind of weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, at least um, at least toss her a free loaf. You know, yeah. it, feel, it feels <laughs> strange to watch her charge her $2 after you know, sort a of brioche, denying her. You know? Yeah. Denying crucial evidence, um, about the day her daughter was murdered. So, um, Ellen has, you know, she's at the house and she's dusting a desk and, um, finds the certificate of death for Jenny. And she like looks at it and she's like, it's all so real. And Jean comes up behind her. Um, you know, and she's like, God, you know, Jean, these pictures are so sad around the house. They're everywhere in the newspaper. How does it not bother you to see her everywhere? And Jean's like, well, it's like the only time I feel peace actually is is being able to see my daughter's face. Um. So then Greg and his wife come over and ask how they can help. And she tells them to start the fire in the backyard. And then Adam asks, you know, are you really up to having a barbecue right now? And she says that she is. And, you know, she's ready. Um, and she tells Ellen, you know, she appreciates what she's doing because I guess she was, Ellen was also putting out a lot of pictures of Jenny or something like that. And she says like, let's not have another wake here today. Um, so now we see that this, this little backyard kickback thing that she's putting together is actually a party for Jenny's friends. Um, because far be it for gene to stop being the party house at this point (laughs) um and we know it's fall now because the pool has a cover on it and there's leaves falling in the background and everyone's wearing jackets very different than the original summer pool party we saw and steve and some kids talk about the investigation and then we're going to cut to a scene where ellen and carla are in the kitchen. 35 by the way also saying all of this again in front of their complete in front of Ellen's completely lucid possibly 4-year-old <laughs> daughter. Um 3523
4: to 3649. Hey, hey guys. I hear the cops are staking out different houses. Yeah? Like whose?
7: Turners for starters. That guy is always so wasted. He could have done it.
4: (laughs) Hey, Jane, sausages are almost ready.
6: What? That's Jenny's jacket.
4: Well, yeah. I wanted to, like, honor her, you know?
6: I didn't. I didn't mean to. I know. I'm going to put Celeste down for a nap.
4: I don't want to be here. It gives me the creeps. Just check this out.
1: Okay, so that little sparkly music at the end, that sparkly death music is um, that is her showing Carla the death certificate. And this is where we I feel a little bit for Carla because she's having a normal human reaction and she doesn't realize she did something she can never undo with someone who is much more sinister than her. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when I find it really sort of extra sad that carla did 22 years and then um the ellen person in real life karen only did an extra year and a half like i feel like ellen should probably still be in jail yes uh,
3: yes I agree. for yeah. sure
1: <laughs> and it wasn't lauren out trying to sell the story after it was ellen <laughs> and you know ellen is sitting in her meeting at paramount she they were like, <laughs> You wanna do you want a glass of water? She said, actually, do you have coffee? Like, she's that person who's like Mm -hmm. asking the assistant to go get something from a different floor. Like, (sighs) this bitch is um, yeah, she's she's uh she's scary. Um, so people in the backyard, they start taking off. There's just a couple guys left. Um, and Jenny's older brother is looking at a newspaper clip that Ellen found in the paper that morning. And Ellen's like showing it to him and he goes, Should we show our, should we show mom this? And Jean overhears that and she comes in, she's like, Show me what. And she takes the clipping, and the headline says, Drowned girl was pinned by 100 pound log. So Jean then finds Pat out in public. She finds her on the street, and Pat is looking fly as fuck in this scene. <laughs> so
2: good. Yes, yeah, she has on like
1: beige yeah beige power suit and then i feel an ultimate power move which is a white trench coat like yes. honey who you're a real adult like <laughs> that is some real adult shit to feel like you can get away with like i would ruin that in an, in an hour <laughs> of owning it maybe less and
3: mm-hmm. um, you know it's dry clean so
1: oh, oh 100% oh, yeah, sure. so um i will say that this is uh, I'm going to play like the 30 one minute clip of where she confronts her. I will say that I noticed in this scene that uh, this actress who plays Pat has a beautiful heavy eyelid. Like her eyelid is just like, it's so pretty and heavy. Like this actress is really stunning in a way that it looks like it could only be achieved through plastic surgery, But I didn't even know that if they did plastic surgery, this good back then.
3: Right, that's what I thought Mm -hmm. too. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Okay. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, honey.
3: Oh, just was saying I was shocked. (laughs) I didn't know it was possible.
1: (laughs) Okay, thirty-seven twenty-six to thirty-eight
6: thirty. Why didn't you tell me? I'm her mother. I have a right to know. Tell you what? How she died. They beat her. They cut her
1: hair off. They pinned her down with a
6: hundred pound log. What are you talking about? Don't give me that. It's all Just calm down, Jean. Just calm down. I don't want to calm down. I want answers. You're not going to get
7: any answers until you calm down. Thank you. There's certain information we never release to the public. Not to the family, the press, not anybody. Information that only the killer knows. That way, if we get a confession, we know it's the truth. Then how did it get in the paper? I don't know be damn sure I'm going to find out. What do
6: you mean the killer called the press? I told you, I don't know. You don't know much, no, do you, Pat? wait a minute, No, Jane. I've waited long enough. You don't have a clue. What do you care? Your daughter's fine. Everybody says, let the police handle it. Get on with your life. What life? Jenny was my life. And if you're not going to find out who killed her, I will. Now, that's a mistake. You let us go
7: to hell.
1: Do Our Job. Do Our Job. That probably, <laughs> if I was directing that on the fly, I'd be like, you know what? Do one without Do Our Job because, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's implied. And also, again, this is, like, a situation where they have wild noise from the street and like, mm-hmm. the main part. And then for some reason, when it's just Do Our Job, it's, like, it's soft. It's, like, picked up with a different mic. There's less going on in the background, like, The sound mixing really suffered for the sake of do our job in this movie. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this is very, again, this is very interesting. We already touched on this a little bit. They have told this woman nothing about her daughter being dead at all. And now someone is obviously the killer um, or someone from within the police department is is calling up a newspaper and giving this report. Um, I'm, you know, I know newspapers print stuff like this. Uh like uh, like above the police's head or whatever, but this just it seems very recent for them to already be doing that. I know with like John Binet, obviously, because there was just so much shitty police work that happened like the the press absolutely was going above their head, but with this, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, give them a minute like <laughs> we we're, we're just having like the she just died barbecue like calm down, right, yeah. It was definitely the, the time – now I'm
2: thinking about it. It felt like more time had passed, but you're right. Like, it. yeah, the same summer that she died was literally two months tops, three? Maybe. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, Jean Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet. <laughs> like, nothing – this is – yeah, it's probably been not even a month really. So then Jean tells Adam – And Ellen, um, that she hates the house that they're living in and she hates her neighborhood now. Jenny is in every single room and Adam says he'll be of some help. He's like, I'll help you, mom. But then Ellen cuts him off and basically says that she feels the same way. I see Jenny in my dreams. I think about Jenny all day. It's like she's telling me to find her killer. She tells, um, and then she tells Gene that she really needs her. She knows that people, um, she knows the people that she has to talk to. She knows that she needs help. Um, so like basic she knows that she needs someone to help her. So basically Ellen's like, Don't worry, Gene. Like, I've got this. I will help you find the killer no one has your back it's just it's you and me against the world gene so um she goes you know i love you like a mother and i know you can't do this by yourself i'd do anything for you and then she like starts to say something but then she decides it's too much so she turns away and of course gene is like well wait what were you about to say she goes i was gonna suggest that i could move in you know we'd be in total touch and have more time and i could drive adam to school in the morning and Celeste could stay at Diane's. Now who the again, who the fuck is Diane? Like who is Diane in her life? I don't I'm unclear on Diane.
3: That's the her adoptive mom. She calls yeah. her adoptive parents by their first names, which is weird. I guess okay. they're calling her as weird cuz she calls her adoptive parents by their first names. I don't know.
1: They're saying like <laughs> she's removed.
3: Yeah, like she's crazy. She's adopted. She calls them by their first names. <laughs>
1: She doesn't even care about them. She didn't come out of her vagina. Diane's just paid for her since she was born. Um, So then um, she's like, no, 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 you need Celeste with you. Okay, you should move in. So then Ellen calls Carla from like her room at Diane's, I guess. Um, And we see that Ellen has like completely plastered her entire room with clippings of articles and pictures of Jenny. And Carla's really upset we know why again another one minute clip uh 4007
5: to
4: 4103
5: hello carla it's me ellen the cops were here again so what they keep questioning me the same thing over and over just stick to the story they don't buy it i'm scared you stupid idiot
4: do you want to spend the rest of your life in prison? Oh no. Then do exactly what I say. No matter what happens, keep telling them about the red Monte Carlo and get a grip. I've got you covered. What do you What do you mean covered? I'm moving you to Jean's house, and that way I'll be able to keep tabs on every move the cops make. All set?
1: Definitely. All right. Um, So, for everyone at home, the first smooch uh, there was Ellen kissing her baby, and the second smooch was her kissing Jean on the lips. Because you know how, like, you kiss your friends' moms on the (laughs) lip.
3: Again, adding to the weird sexual tension between the two of them, like very strange.
1: And also, it does seem pretty like sinister even like for a moment i was doubting Jean because i was like why don't you care that her room is covered in pictures of like your daughter and clips about her murder like that's not exactly a george michael poster you know
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it's definitely not normal
1: then we go back to carla for a moment who's just like letting out a sigh she's obviously full of doubt as she should be um Ellen's confidence is what really like lets us know she's kooky. So Mm -hmm. she's unpacking her stuff at Jean's house. Um, and Kathy comes by looking for Jean and asks Ellen how she could, you know, how do you, how do you have the balls to move in here? And she's like, I belong here now. Okay. Um, and, kathy's like well i have a conscious conscious and i can't keep this inside i have nightmares every night i have to tell someone and ellen gets very serious and and walks straight up to her and kathy just starts walking backwards and they do this dance all the <laughs> way down the stairs like i'm terrified like she will not turn her back to ellen which <laughs> by the way I should have thought about the poetry of that a little bit more. Like she really is like, I'm not going to turn my back to you. I've seen you murder before. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: I also love to think that they've done multiple, they did multiple takes of that. And like, yeah. they just <laughs> falls down <laughs> like over and over again. Cause I don't know how you can like successfully walk down the stairs like that and not bust your ass.
1: I was expecting her to hit her head on the landing.
2: Right. Yeah. It's like, how did she manage to this- just, line and just walk down the stairs without taking her eyes off of ellen backwards like that's i don't know that takes practice
1: yeah for sure that was a big day for uh <laughs> Bruce. So, so many bruises um she tries to go out the front door but ellen blocks her so she runs into the kitchen to make a, make a break you know through the back door but ellen follows her and pushes her against the wall and she strangles her and she's like who are you going to tell? What are you going to tell them? And Kathy says to let go of her, but Ellen gets a knife and holds it up to her. And she goes, listen to me, Kathy, keep your tongue in your mouth or I'm going to cut it out. And Kathy's like, okay, okay. But then Ellen's like, you know what? I don't believe you. So she cuts her cheek and her lip permanently scarring this woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, well, now what are you going to do? And Kathy's like, keep my mouth shut. And she's like, what else? I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to go away. And she goes far away. And then at that moment, Jean starts to come through the back door with some like groceries that she bought, and that's when Kathy scrams. And like, truthfully, I am a little bit confused about how this teenage girl is supposed to get her family to move out of town. On her- <laughs> yeah, it's like. I don't know. If I was Kathy's parents, I would start to wonder. I'd be like, oh, it's so weird. You know, my daughter's friend just died. My daughter comes home with a cut on her face saying that she needs to move out of town. Like I would, you know, the, at that point, I would as a parent probably start asking some hard questions. But, you know, but when everyone she
2: comes- in this movie is dumb, so they might just do it. Like, right. We got to move. They go. I mean, she also goes to the murderer to be like, hey, I need to tell someone that you murdered someone. <laughs> like yeah. What? <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have been like any other reason why I was there besides, oh, I feel like telling the mother of the girl you murdered that you did it. Um, <laughs> So we find out that what Jean was getting at the store was supplies because they're planning on doing a stakeout to look for the red Monte Carlo. Um, And like that's just such an intense piece of detective work to take into your own hands. Like the (laughs) idea of just like doing a stakeout. That to me is like pretty high end policing. But um, they go out there, and Ellen and Jean are in the car. Um, but it also turns into a, a little hair braiding moment. We get to go back to the hair braiding, which is nice. Um, I'm going to play this quick. Uh, no, this is a longer clip. 43:55 um,
6: to 46:59. did she make it? I'm nervous. I have nuts in my stomach. Me, too. i glad to finally be doing something.
4: I know what you mean. Do you remember how you used to braid Jenny's hair? Jenny had such beautiful hair.
6: cops doing nothing since my tent from last week they don't even return my calls hey cops
4: I want to be with you anytime you talk to them I don't want them upsetting you I'll go with you anytime anywhere team right
6: There's the car I saw earlier. When I went after them, they took off. Let's get him.
4: Go for it, Jane.
6: You know Jenny Monroe? Who? Her. Any of you here October 1st, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon? She got into a red Monte Carlo, like this one. Whose car is
2: this?
1: It's mine. Who are you people?
6: I'm her mother. She was murdered. What do you know about it? Tell me. Ellen?
4: Susan, hi. I didn't see you. What's going on? You know them? They're cool, Gene.
7: Why are you doing this, Ellen?
3: The cops already checked us out. They know we're at the movies that day. I'm sorry about your daughter, ma'am, but we didn't have nothing to do with it.
6: You scared the hell out of them, Gene. You said they were cool. How do you know that?
4: Jenny didn't like him. She'd never get in a car with them.
1: Okay. Um, for me, I would say those three kids in the car are probably my favorite actors in this movie outside of Patty Duke. I for some reason, I love them. Like, I just they felt so real to me. They felt like the kids that like, yeah, they're probably up to like some bad shit. Like, I think like, the driver at least sells dime bags but like <laughs> for sure they're overall like good kids they're respectful he's like I'm sorry about your daughter ma'am like they're <laughs> I, I, I don't know I just bought it and I love that they know Ellen and they all are like oh this bitch like they're like oh Ellen from the trailer park yeah <laughs> we know about <laughs> Ellen like if anyone's up to something it's her I mean it is some sick shit that she pulls in this scene
3: yeah, and I feel like they kind of gra- regrounded you as a viewer because it's like there's there's Gene and there's Ellen and there's their their dynamic that they're like vigilantes trying to catch the bad guys, and so you're like kind of like yeah, like let's get them, but then like those kids pop up and you're like oh right, Ellen's fucking crazy, right, 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 got it, got it.
2: <laughs> Especially when they like
3: they confirm
2: that they've spoken to the cops already too, so it's like the detectives are doing their jobs. Like they are talking to people. It's just like, yeah, it is kind of like a moment of like, no, they're being crazy right now. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I was so inspired by the girl in that scene that I literally lit a cigarette. She made it look delicious. You <laughs> rarely, you rarely get a sig in movies like this because I think well, I know you can't show a cigarette being lit on TV, but like it's mm-hmm. not often anymore that you get a cigarette in a TV movie like this. So, um, Jean calls the police station and she's just begging for information about the case. It turns out that Pat's not there. So she, you know, Uh, quietly like she sneaks into her bedroom and takes a a hoodie from her closet and we learn that ellen is sleeping on her floor yeah Um, that was
2: fucking weird
1: (laughs) i don't know where i thought she would be in the house i guess i kind of assumed jenny's room but that's obviously a faux pas right but yeah Mm -hmm. sleeping on the floor of someone's bedroom is a little elementary school slumber party
2: or at the very least, I figured she'd be on like the couch,
1: right? And where's her daughter? Oh, is she her daughter with Diane? <laughs> is she knows? also on the floor? <laughs> I don't know where she is. Does Ellen it's know where? Yes, I mean, well, the f- lack of follow up on Celeste at the end is very concerning, and like the f- just the imagine what Celeste went through. Thank God she's not real. But like, imagine if mm-hmm. that child was real, what she would have gone through. Like, this whole dramatic thing with everyone being worried about Jenny. I mean, that's a formative memory right there. And then her mom goes to jail for murdering Jenny. Like, oh, my God. And her auntie. Like, that is a lot. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Jean falls asleep in her car. We find out that she tries to do the stakeout by herself. Um, and Pat comes and finds her and is like, listen, all right, you are a mess. Um, you love your daughter very much and you want to get her murderer punished. But the way that you're going about this, it's making my job a lot harder. I actually have leads on this. I can't tell you anything about the investigation though. And Jean says, you know, it just feels really surreal, surreal to her. She keeps th- thinking she hears Jenny in the house and I'm sitting there thinking like, Oh, you know, Alan's ass is like playing a tape recorder in another room. Um, <laughs> And, you know, this sort of ends, you know, Pat being like, well, you loved your daughter. You're a mother who loved your daughter. And she goes, I still love my daughter. And she takes off. Um, So Jean comes home to a full blown intervention. Um, It's like it seems to be like early on a work day because Greg is there in his tie and then his wife is at the table as well. They're like, Adam's eating. Apparently, Adam snitched on her for being crazy and like doing these stakeout things because they're there to be like, dude. We agree, okay? It's so fucked up that Jenny got murdered. But we kind of, like, need to go back to family life a little bit. And then Ellen comes in, and she's like, hey, what's going on? And Greg's like, this is a family matter. And Ellen's like, but I thought I was part of the family. And Jean's like, it's okay, Ellen. Go back to bed. So
2: (laughs) Greg went full eldest child. Like, I love that. He just, like, strong-armed. Like, I'm the man of this family. Like, you're not part of the family. Get the fuck out, Ellen.
1: Well, someone had to say it, you know, like I was dying for someone to just sort of insert themselves and speak the truth and be like, you don't need to be here all the time. Like this is you're sleeping on the floor of my mom's bedroom. My mom is sleeping in her fucking suburban out in the woods. Like this is getting a little bit intense. So, um, Jean says that, you know, she doesn't really want to talk about this stuff. And Greg's like, listen, you're going to get yourself hurt and it's bad for your health. Um, and if I knew who did this, I would kill the SOB myself, but I don't know. None of us. He says, I don't know. None of us does. <laughs> I, wrote my, I wrote that in my notes. Cause you could tell the actor knew he fucked up, but like street face. he's just, this- he's just trying to get through the take. Like you probably, they probably have done this take many times and like for him to get to that place of emotion, but none of us does is like kind of egregious. <laughs> they must have really been behind on filming that day for the director to not be like, oh, all God. right, just just one more of just this line. Um <laughs> But he tells her, you know, Jenny's gone. We have to let it go. We can't let it destroy us. Adam needs you. And I'm like, thank you, Adam. (laughs) Hello. This like 15 year old boy. Um, And he's like, you know what? And Cheryl needs you, too. I didn't want to tell you this this way, but she's pregnant. And Jean is absolutely overjoyed to hear this. Um, Right away, my mind goes to, okay, how is Ellen going to try and get Cheryl to miscarry? Like oh, right away. Yep.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't put it past I was though.
1: shocked that she didn't like take that from them because, like, you know, it's sort of replacing also the idea of Celeste as being like the closest thing she has to a grandchild, mm-hmm. which I think is one mm-hmm. of Ellen's main manipulative moves with Celeste. um So Ellen's dressed up for the day in the most hideous drop waist dress I have <laughs> ever fucking oh seen God. in my life. It's like. <laughs> The drop waist on Ellen, I'm like, sweetie, if you're trying to, like, hide up a little pregnancy pudge, like, take it from me, sweetie. A drop waist is not going to do it for (laughs) you. It's, like, probably the worst thing you could be wearing. I know, you know, food stamps, you can't spend food stamps at the mall. But um, I'm just confused about, I'm confused about the outfit. She's also wearing, like, this very unfortunate olive cardigan over it. Oh, Um, yeah. Oh, Yeah. So she stops in front of like the George Michael poster that's on the outside of Jenny's room. And um, I did I will say that I'm so glad that when they finally start to make some changes in Jenny's room, the first thing that comes down is the George Michael poster that's like facing outward, which I mean, your parents. I mean, that's how loose Jean is, is that she's allowing a George (laughs) Michael poster to be prominently displayed across from her master bedroom. Like this is pretty, pretty like fast and loose parenting that would have never flown in my house. Um, if my mom had to wake up every morning and open her door and see a blink One Eighty Two poster, like she, are you kidding me? Um, so (laughs) she decides to take a peek into Jenny's room and she has this little grin on her face, like a sick little grin. Um, and she heads downstairs with this same creepy smile. Um, when Jean is apparently giving some good news, Um, oh, she's getting some good news that she's about to be um, going back to work again soon. I'm going to play another short little clip, 5211 to 5346.
6: Yeah, well, the doctor says that I can come back to work in about three weeks. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Weird. Okay, see ya. Bye.
4: Going back to work, huh? soon good listen i've been thinking maybe we've been obsessing over jenny too much you know keeping her room exactly as it was and all and we should put some of her stuff away
6: i've been thinking the same thing
4: great i'll just get my clothes what for I'm to move into a room
6: no ellen I'm turning it into a nursery. Cheryl's pregnant. when oh.
4: would she do, June? Congratulations. Okay. Well, maybe in the meantime, I can just. I get said the
6: no, Ellen. But I thought you wanted to let Jenny go a little and move on. You're welcome to stay. In my room. Now let's drop it, huh?
4: Whatever. Hello?
6: I'll be right there.
1: Should be noted that Ellen still has the demented little braid in her hair that (laughs) Jean did what felt like four nights ago. Um... So that's, like, her new style now. It's like a Um,
2: dreadlock now. It's, like, hasn't been brushed or washed or anything, just clumped in her hair.
1: I will say that Ellen's appearance, like, she has that sort of depression look to her that, like, it really, especially when we see her at the end of the movie, what turns out to be, like, a year year later, like, Ellen is clearly living in her own filth. Um, Mm. I, uh, you know, anyone who's, who has been through depression knows it when they see it, you're like, oh, honey, Mm. you maybe go stand in the shower, but that hair is getting washed maybe, you know, once a week max. And you've got very thin hair and, you know, you need to, that's a very specific style she has. She has a little page boy cut and she has uh, thin hair. So, I mean, she's got to be, doing some more maintenance than that. She's kind of falling apart. And then if the olive sweater didn't tell you that things were really (laughs) off the rails, then like nothing else. That was like a sweater to suggest. But also, guys, we haven't even talked about how great the music is in this.
3: I mean, yes. Just adding to the ambiance of everything.
1: It's If you're ever confused. Oh, go ahead. Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, No, it's so like I mean, I guess it's just if you like Lifetime, then you also love like late 80s, early 90s like thrillers. So mm-hmm. just like all of this, I just felt very like Single White Female, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, The Crush, just kind of like the, the Crush! Swelling, yes. With uh, Alicia yeah, Silverstone. Like the mm-hmm. it's, like, a little weird kind of like, I guess they're violins kind of. And it's just, you know, I was I was having a great time because I After watching this, I was like, tonight I have to, like, find The Crush and, like, rewatch that shit (laughs) because it's so my pie.
1: It's so funny you said that because I had the same thought about The Crush a couple days ago. I forget who it was, but I saw someone used The Crush for their music video. They, like, didn't film a music video. They just got the rights to, like, cut up The Crush. And like the video was just the crush. It was like very, it was very cool how they did it. But um, yeah, the music in these movies are so great because, you know, not only is it just ambiance or whatever, but like this is for real dummies at home. It's like if you're confused about how to feel here, (laughs) here's some some scary music. You're supposed to feel a little on edge right now. We're going to give you Um, a minor chord. Just sad, <laughs> totally. Um, DeGrasse is good with that too. Like, but the way their take on it, especially for next generation, would be like a slowed down version of the theme song. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're sad now, so here's whatever it takes in slow mo. Um, but yeah, so um, she uses Jenny's phone to call Carla, who. Carla seemingly has not moved since the last time we saw her on her floor. She's still in the exact same position on her bedroom floor next to like her. her, She's on the floor next to her bed by the phone with the little desk mirror in the exact same place it was. And I noticed the first time we saw the desk mirror, it was um, on the ground. And so I think that they just filmed those in the same day and really just told the actress, like, stay put. This is where the cameras are. We got the shot. Um, Mm -hmm. so she answers her phone and Ellen says, Carla, it's me. Guess where I am. Um, so then we cut to (laughs) outside of Oliver high school. Um, and Adam is in some trouble and we get some powerful made for TV swears out of Jean here because she's like, cut the crap. Okay. I'm really ticked (laughs) off at you. (laughs) And it turns out that she's been skipping school and acting out. And she's like, look, I know I'm preoccupied with Jenny, but this isn't a good way to divert attention. And he's like, you know what, Mom? I miss Jenny, too. And it's like the first time it's occurred to her that someone else beside her and Ellen could possibly be affected by this. Um, and she's like, we're going to be more of a family again moving forward. So... Um, Gina started to work on Jenny's room and the first order of business, thank God, is taking down that George Michael poster. Because can you imagine that grandchild in like 12 years? Like they're finally old enough and they're like, What is this? Like, who's but he? Even,
2: but even before that, can you imagine like mourning and then just seeing George Michael
1: on wall? <laughs> gotta have faith, girl. You know what I mean? That's going take kind on of a different meaning for a in this moment. So a uh, father figure as well. I mean, there's a lot, I think George Michael could have brought a lot of healing to them. Ooh. I just worry, you know, for the, the, like the granddaughter growing up, that's like, Oh, your um, aunt was murdered when she was 17. So, and she liked this gay guy that she probably didn't know was gay at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's him. So like, you know, I don't know. I'm glad they took the poster down, but um, Cheryl shows her like a rainbow mobile that she thought, you know, she could hang up over the crib. And um, I want to pick up here because the music is it's great because you realize Ellen is listening to this whole thing. But of course, like it's also sad because she's, you know, Cheryl's trying to have a moment with her mother-in-law and get her excited about the baby. But her response is basically like, oh, like, you know, I'm never going to get to do this. I'm never going to get to do this. with Jenny, I'm missing out on mm-hmm. if Jenny had a kid. Um so uh 5611 to a minute and 15 seconds. This is also where um we're going to see um Ellen and Jean in the car.
5: Thought maybe we could hang this over the crib.
6: <laughs> I'm going to miss this with Jenny. I
4: know. You know, I'm just, I've just just—I've been racking my brain I'm just trying to think And I, I ran to this guy today And he just, he gave me the chills What guy? This guy Turner, he's a biker Total loser, rides this big Harley And, and one day Jenny got up in his face And said she was going to turn him into the cops A Harley I remember him from the park, Labor Day He almost ran Jenny over Well, he said that he'd kill anybody who would rat him out
6: Why didn't you tell me Well, because I far? didn't know I
4: didn't think about it until I saw him today I knew it. He always hangs out around here.
6: Hey! Hey! You tried to run down my daughter. What the hell is your problem? You said you were going to kill her, and
4: now she's dead. He's the one, Gene. Come on, we're
6: going to the police. are crazy, you know that? You don't know how crazy. I got some ABC-type information for you,
4: lady. Your daughter thought she was too good for us, when in reality... She was nothing but a stuck-up little bitch. She got what she deserved.
0: You're
7: going to have to pay for that window, you know. Fine. Am I under arrest? Turner declined to press charges. Hooray for
6: Turner. Are you going to charge him? With what? Jenny's murder? Yes!
7: He's the right type, real bad guy.
6: He said she got what she deserved. He may have said that, but he didn't do it. How do you know?
7: Because he was in jail at the time. Look, I know you think you're doing something positive, running around and terrorizing the neighborhood. Some people won't talk to us. They're afraid you'll harass them. What you're really doing is hurting the investigation. What investigation? From what I can see, you haven't done a thing. What do you know about Ellen Holloway? that's classic you're gonna pin it on ellen i didn't say that
6: she was at her grandmother's
7: house that's not what i asked you look we think a female was involved both because of the hair cutting and the newspaper story people at the newspaper tell us their informant was quote a young woman
6: i've known ellen since she was five years old she's like a daughter to me she's been helping me which is more than i can say for you why are you pushing this
7: so hard? Why don't you just let me do my job? Because you're not doing it. Like you? Is that what you're thinking, Jean? That you didn't do your job with Jenny? I've been a cop for a long time, and a mother even longer. I'm OD'd on human nature. Do you wanna know what I see? I see a woman acting out a
6: whole lot of guilt. I keep replaying it in my mind. Maybe if I'd been a different kind of mother, Jenny would be alive today. I wanted my kids to like me so much. Where do you draw the line between being a parent and being a friend?
7: You've got to stop torturing yourself.
6: I've known so many kids who turned against their parents. I didn't want that to happen to me. I wanted to protect her without making her afraid to live. I failed. No, you didn't.
7: You did the best you could. I'll tell you something else. Lieutenant wouldn't agree. I think all the calling and pestering you've done has made the department work harder on the case. Good. But do me a favor. Stop playing vigilante out there. I don't want you getting into any trouble, and I sure don't want to see you get hurt.
1: Okay. That's a lot there. I mean, she Mm -hmm. pushed a man with her bare hands through a window. Like a huge guy. Um... And you know I I have to say I was a little surprised that he had that much of a an opinion on Jenny because it seemed like he's just, you know, sort of a Dennis the Menace type that like would have mm. ran his bike at anyone but um guys, what is ABC information? Oh, I was going to ask that.
3: Like always closing? Maybe. I thought he was about to tell us like a joke or something. Like
1: this is an A and B conversation.
3: <laughs> See your way out.
1: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> he just meant like elementary information. Like here's like the ABCs. Like your daughter was a fucking bitch. Like that's oh, right. that oh, the vibe that makes sense. Um, it definitely feels like a much older person who wrote that, though. Like, that seems like they would have something they would have said a long I time ago.
2: definitely thought when I first heard it, I was like, okay, ABC, like, the station, like, news, news information? Like, is right. that what he's trying to say?
1: Like, he's the one calling the newspaper. <laughs> right.
2: Like, but also, like, can we talk about how... Does Jean understand how the criminal justice system works? Because she talks to him. He's like, oh, yeah, your daughter, whatever. She's an idiot. She's a bitch. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, come with me to the police station. I'm like, yeah, he's just going to go with you. Like, you can't arrest him, Jean. Citizen
3: arrest. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. I kept thinking during this scene in particular with um, Pat at the station is, um what is her name? Pat? I think so. Yeah. I keep calling no her idea. different names, I think. But anyway, she's like, um, I have thinking like, okay, we have such a benefit in living in 2020 that we've never really had to like go in fully raw, like not knowing what to expect of like a murder or, you know, I mean, like we all sort of know how things go with the cops. Um, they're generally unhelpful and uh, often violent and they profile people. Um, but like, it's interesting. Cause like, if you ever were in a situation like that, I would, I would think just based off of the amount of like crime shows I've watched that I would sort of understand the process a little bit, but they had no, they really like, what did they do? Like watch 60 minutes and like two years after something <laughs> happened, they would report a story. Like we're just living in like peak true crime, like, depictions of cops on television world right now, like internet world. So I, I just was thinking to myself like, Jesus Christ, Jean, like wait till you find out about law and order. Like wait till that hits <laughs> the airwaves. Cause it's going to blow your mind.
3: Yeah. Um, I just always, I always felt like Jean was like, I, I don't know. It's just, she wasn't getting enough information. So I don't know if it's just like the thing back then to just not tell families very much. Or, like, what she was expecting out of the investigation. It's also confusing of, like, how much time has passed? Is she upset because it's been, like, several months and she hasn't gotten anything? Or has it been, like, a week? Like, I I don't know. So
2: we actually got indication of time. Because I thought initially that when... I thought Jenny died right after Labor Day. But they're questioning people about October 1st. So yeah. it's been no time because then shortly thereafter and not to like jump ahead, like they, they do go to Christmas. I'm like, it's only been two, like, it's been two months. And she's like really just running around this town, freaking out. Like I was under the impression that like, okay, this is like six months, maybe nothing's happened. It's like, honey, like.
3: <laughs> yeah. And I know on. that the, like, like the real life timeline, like the timeline of everything, like it. the investigation was three years before they made any arrest or anything. So I don't know if they were trying to. Like, depict that kind of like mother in angst being like really frustrated that she doesn't have answers yet, or mm. I don't know.
1: That must have been frustrating so. for the family to see that mm-hmm. like depiction because they really did have to be incredibly patient for their daughter's killer to like their daughter's killers to be held to like, yeah. you right. know, brought to justice. Um, but you know the X factor here is that Ellen is like riling her up. Like there's never Mm a dull moment over at that house. Like one thing she's like, you know, hanging up a mobile in the nursery. And the next thing, you know, Ellen's like completely in distract mode, like pulling her out, very worked up about this motorcycle guy. I mean, if Ellen had just channeled her energy, she was already in Hollywood, baby. Like she could have made it. (laughs) Like she, she really sells her panic. And, mm-hmm. like, we know she's a liar. So, like, we're sort of watching this being like, Gene, why don't you know she's a liar? But um, she's doing a very good job of, like, riling her up and convincing her. At any given point, you know, she's saying, like, I've got another suspect. Like, if, you know, mm-hmm. just... Anytime, no one ever is questioning Ellen, but Ellen just can't let the moment sit. Um, mm-hmm. Which is really concerning. Um, and also just toxic in and of itself. Like, I just... If I was Jean, I would be like, I don't need this. Like, I really don't need to just be going about my day and all of a sudden this girl's bursting in my house with, like, another suspect. Like, at that point, call the cops. Like, tell the cops who the suspects are and let them do the work. Because obviously you're a little bootleg detective agency, like Olsen and Olsen <laughs> mystery. Like, they really need to calm the fuck down. Like, it's intense. Um, it's actually
2: especially since it's, like, um, it's not even... Just, okay, she's doing this because she's trying to, like, you know, get the scent off of herself. It's also, like, it's gone to the point where it's purely t- attention towards herself from Jean. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as Jean stops paying attention to Jenny's murder, then what is Ellen's purpose? But to just yeah. be there on her floor asleep. sleep.
1: You know, speaking of the Olsen twins, I feel like they <laughs> would have been a huge asset here because I mean, Mary Kate Olson possibly did get away with murder. Um, I mean. And uh, so, you know, but then also, yeah, I think they would have this crime solved by dinner time. I absolutely think that they would have been someone that you needed around right now. And they were in Hollywood. You know, I, they, I think that the Olson twins could have worked a little harder if you know what I mean on their hours I mean. off from full house.
3: they truly missed out like the investigators missed out on having their help for sure
1: (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) like next to pat we have michelle going like how rude um okay so (laughs) um Jean leaves the police station and she gets in ellen's car and she's like are you okay what did those damn cops do to you again like making her be an enemy with everyone and she's like you know what you're never gonna believe this guess who they suspect and she's like who and she's like, you, which I'm like, why don't tell her that oh, don't God. for so <laughs> many reasons. Don't tell her that. Like, cause I don't even think Ellen, if she had a clear conscience, like could handle that information. Um, But anyway, she doesn't get upset. She just turns to her, you know, back to the wheel starts the car. So it's night now and the entire family and more are in the living room. It's like a real gathering. And Ellen has an announcement to make. And she says she doesn't know how to say this. But Celeste woke up in the middle of the night saying that Jenny got hit by a rock. Jenny was underwater. They think that it was just a dream. Like maybe Celeste overheard this because, you know, she is like four years old. But Ellen is trying to sell this story that, you know, um... Celeste claims, um, she's trying to sell the story, so she says that Celeste claims that Jenny was the one who told her. So she's pretending that she's a medium now. Um, Mm -hmm. and then little Celeste pops up, um, and she goes, Jenny got hit with a rock. She's bleeding. So then, um, Ellen says she's gonna go out to the woods. Um, she has, like, her baby with her, and she's like, I'm gonna go to the woods. Um, maybe the cops missed something. Maybe a clue. So then, um, Greg falls her she's like Greg Go after her and then Cheryl and the boys head out but then she Says to Adam like Adam no Don't don't leave I need a man to Stay and like honestly like oh, Adam was so flattered To have been called a man Exactly <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> and but, okay, so I'm going to play another, like, three-minute scene. Sorry, guys. This movie is just too good not to share. And I'm, I not only yeah. apologize to the guests, but, like, I just apologize to probably whoever's, you know, whoever's not going to sue me for playing this much of the movie. But um, this scene was definitely where I thought, oh, she's going to make Cheryl miscarry. She's going to, like, trip her in the <laughs> woods or something and make her yeah. fall on her stomach. Um 102 51 to 10640, and um, shout out to the guest appearance from the Owl. Okay, let's play this. Game.
4: Where do we go?
0: The paper says it happened at the creek, east of the parking lot.
5: Ellen, wait! I got the map.
4: I'm letting Jenny guide me.
6: Trippy. Very trippy.
7: Gives me the creeps.
4: Kill her so close it must have happened somewhere around here
3: Jenny, no.
0: What's that?
4: You said you were never up here. I've never been near here in my life. Dan must have carved it. Dan.
6: He always wanted Jenny. Yeah. She wouldn't have anything to do with him.
7: Come on, guys. What are you saying?
4: I'm saying that Dan couldn't have Jenny, so he didn't want anybody else to have her either. He used to go nuts if I even called her on the phone. Yeah, but He threw firecrackers at her on Labor Day. What was that?
5: How do you know that was him?
4: I was there with him. All of a sudden, he takes off, and I go to follow him. Then he goes through the bushes, and he whips a handful of ladyfingers at her and runs off laughing.
0: That was Dan, huh?
4: Jane should hear this. No. She's exhausted. Let her sleep. Dan wasn't even at Jenny's funeral. Everybody was at Jenny's funeral, except him. Why? I'm sure the cops have talked to him. Those are idiots, Cheryl. Don't you get it? Don't yell at her. It's your sister, Greg. Whose side are you on? Okay. One night, Dan and I had a fight about Jenny. And he said that one day she was going to get mixed up with somebody who was going to kill her for the type of crap she pulled. His exact words. Dan, this is Ellen. I want to ask you something. Did it matter to you when Jenny was killed?
6: Ellen, it's three o'clock in the morning.
4: What is this? You hated Jenny. Admit it. She wouldn't come back to you. She wouldn't sleep with you. She totally blew you off. So you took her up into the woods, didn't you? No way. You're a liar.
7: You're nuts, Ellen.
3: I will.
0: What do you say?
1: Okay. So (laughs) I feel that Ellen has missed her calling because the improv, when she got off the phone and was like, he said, prove it. I was Mm -hmm. like, girl, you could be like a hack medium so easily. Like Tyler Henry, who? Like you could literally (laughs) pretend. Like you're a psychic medium. You've got great improv skills. Like you're obviously a little like not totally with it. So people would be like, oh yeah, she's got the gift. Like she absolutely (laughs) missed her calling and could have, she could have just rode off into the sunset, making bank as like a medium, but she chose not to. Um, Just for anyone who's wondering what the carving in the woods was, it wasn't the one that said like Celeste and Jenny forever or whatever or Ellen and Jenny forever, it was, like, it said Dan, Dan plus Jenny, so that was, like, probably when they were dating, Um, but then Jenny is crossed out, and Ellen is written under it, which, like, again, I'm, like, Ellen, that's not cool, like, (laughs) it's not cool to be, like, the replacement chick, like, I wouldn't take it to wood, you know, like, I would... I would just be embarrassed and not moving about my life, knowing that about myself, but whatever. Um, the Ellen's making it personal. I was disappointed we didn't get a hoo-hoo from the owl in the woods. I was waiting for that. Um, but so these kids are all like ripping brewskis, um, except for Cheryl, obviously. And um, I'm a little, you know, concerned about like these three kids playing detective around the dinner table drinking beer with Ellen working them up the whole time. And at this point, Steve's like, you know what? I, uh, I'm going to take care of this. I know where to get a gun and I will be back. So, um, Ellen tells him just effortlessly take the body Dump it in the river and pour some pool acid on him. That way, by the time they find the body, they won't be able to identify him. And one more thing bring me back a finger to prove to me that he's dead. Like a mob boss. Like, who is she? She also was like getting off on it because the way
0: she mm-hmm. said is
2: like, bring
1: me a fucking
2: finger as proof. It's like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, how is no one aware that she's guilty at this point?
1: I know, absolutely. So she yeah. like, It's calculated.
3: Yeah. And all this just seemed like such backyard country shit. But like (laughs) all of them were just sitting around the table just like, and he was like, yeah, I know where to get a gun. I'm going to take care of it. And no one, like no one was trying to stop him. No one was like, hey, maybe don't pour acid on him. Maybe we should talk this (laughs) out. Maybe we should call the police. (laughs) Like everyone was just kind of on board with it. And then <laughs> I'm just like, is this just, like, the normal... Like, I just think of, like, country people in a trailer park, like, like chugging beers, like, talking about all this shit, like, while smoking meth. Like, I just feel like it's all the same realm of things <laughs> happening.
1: I mean, totally. Just because you wear, like, a tie to work, like, doesn't mean you're any less of, like, a thug than anyone else in the world. But, like, truly... I wished Greg had had the sense to be like, okay, I'm an adult man. I've only had one Bud Light. I'm going to go ahead and say I would like to see my sister's murderer brought to justice and not killed in the same way that she was. Um, also, like, I realized that Breaking Bad had a lot of extensive researchers on their staff, but, like, I feel like they might have ripped the idea to um, use acid to dissolve a human body from this movie i think that that's actually might be Ooh. the entire inspiration for the show breaking bad if i, I had to guess. that theory
3: i, I, love I that. i'd love to think of it that way
1: <laughs> i have
2: I a think quick question sorry. oh sorry No 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 go ahead no i have a quick question so are we to believe then that ellen rehearsed celeste to do this And the owl, was he a part of this? Or was that just like a nice little special thing that happened?
1: It's the mechanical owl from Harry Potter. Um, I think that she definitely coached Celeste, for sure. I mean, but like Celeste, not just as like an actress in this movie, because like I thought that for a lifetime or a TV movie kid, she was actually she kind of hit her marks in a in a good way mm-hmm. i i liked celeste this whole movie um but i uh yeah i mean the in the water stuff like when would she even be able to feed her those lines like she also again ellen had another option like put this girl to work
3: <laughs> <laughs> i mean she really just missed her calling like they could have be, been been making bank and they they turned it down honestly
1: I have come up with so many solutions for Ellen that are better than food stamps and like focusing on this murder her whole life. And she has taken none of them. And so to that, I say, Ellen, you are useless. You're a useless person. Um, you, you were the friend that Ellen needed all along. Yeah, I, think that, I think that was me for sure. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Ellen would have had me in her finger. I would have, I would have gone down so hard. I would be like, I'm beyond Kathy. Like, not only would I have a scar on my face, but like, it would no, it would be a mess. Um, so Adam overhears all of this, and he like goes and wakes up Jean, and Jean's like, um, to Greg and Cheryl, she's like, "What the fuck? Why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you stop Steve from leaving?" And he's like, "One thing just led to another." Um, which is true. That is like the Ellen story. Is she makes one thing lead to another. And Jean's like, you know, this, was this is out of control. So she picks up the phone and is like, where does Steve live? And, um, not Steve, um, Dan, where does Dan live? And so she goes to call, um, the police to like, say like, you know, go get this guy. Um, and Ellen keeps hanging up the phone being like, what are you doing? Like the police are no help to us. So then Steve appears and, um, the door and jean's like what happened and he's like i didn't do it and everyone but ellen is like deeply relieved like they're like oh Great. thank god that's so <laughs> bad and um steve's like listen i was pumped to do it but when i got to the window this feeling washed over me and i, I just know he didn't do it so ellen's like you blew it okay <laughs> you were you were jenny's boyfriend you were supposed to help her um you know if you want if you want um and he's like, "Well, if you want him dead so bad, go do it yourself." And she lunges at him and she's like, "You're a gutless coward." And Gene yells at her to stop and she's like, "I'm just doing this for you, Gene." And she's like, "Doing what?"
3: Gene <laughs> is so blind to Ellen and like her tactics. Like she's she's that person, what is it? It reminds me of um A dirty john where it's like the mom's like so blind to like how bad john is
1: yes to everyone
3: and everyone else sees it but she doesn't see it and that's gene
1: you are on it with that you like that was like a queenly reference because i (sighs) just watched that and like it's it was so maddening the whole time like why didn't how how does she not know Mm -hmm. how Um, but like, you know, you get wrapped up in these people and I'm sure like the last person you expect this from is a teenage girl, like to be a criminal mastermind like this. Um, so Ellen says that Jean doesn't understand. It's because she loves her and she loves Jenny and Jean's like, listen, that means a lot to me, but this vengeance thing has to stop. We're tearing (laughs) each other apart. Um, they hug and make up. So then Jean leaves some flowers at Jenny's grave and she's like, we, you know, Rest in peace, girlfriend. Like, you know, she said some stuff to her about how we're working on it, but we haven't found anyone yet. And of course, like she has one of those graves with like a very photo realistic picture of her on it, which I don't know, it's not my taste. Um yeah. I just don't think like I would never feel confident picking the picture for that.
2: Yeah. But the world has to was, know how beautiful Jenny was.
1: Oh, totally. That's
3: true. That's
2: true. But I that would be like
3: Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, like, oh, is her hair dated? Like, is that going to hold up in 40 years? Is that going <laughs> to translate? But go ahead. That was that was um, just a, a frivolous aside. What were you going to say, Lauren? Sorry.
3: <laughs> There's something very, like, is traumatizing too big of a word? Just, like, very kind of striking and kind of shocking when you're walking through a graveyard, like, walking on top of dead people And then you, like, go to a grave and you see a photo of that person that you're currently walking on. Like, there's just something weird about it. And I... And they are never people that you know. So, it's just very uncomfortable. So anyone listening out there that is in charge of my will and testament, do not put a picture of myself on my gravestone. Thank totally. you.
1: Totally. You heard it here <laughs> first, guys. Everyone refer back to this. <laughs> hopefully that in 40, no, not 40 years, hopefully in um, 60 years uh, when mm-hmm. that's a necessary thing, we'll, we'll come back to this episode. So um, Ellen and Jean are cooking in the kitchen. Celeste is sitting on the counter and basically like it's, Time's up. Like, Jean is ready for things to change a little bit. And she starts to tell her something about how, oh, you know, I'm just worried for you. And then she goes, you know what? I'm not being truthful. Basically, you have you have a family. Like, you and your daughter are a family. Staying with us is holding you back. Um, and Ellen's like, no, I've grown so much here. And Jean's like, listen, go home, Ellen. Um, so... Ellen's obviously devastated, but then rages out and throws a knife up against the wall and it sticks. Um, then Ellen goes and like, pulls it out of the wall. Jean isn't there for that, though, of course. She would never be like, yeah. guess what, Jean? I'm secretly evil. Yeah, but uh, Celeste
2: is. Let's not forget yeah, that so Celeste is, is also spin spin. still <laughs> sitting
1: there. Poor, like little Celeste. Like the amount of information we've watched her internalize is—it's ins- like a lifetime of therapy. Like I feel like the state of California owes her therapy twice as long as her mother's prison sentence. So, um, Ellen is grocery shopping with Celeste at the store, and Celeste puts something in the cart, and she's like, "You're so selfish, Celeste. We can't afford that." Um, and then she rounds the corner with her cart and bumps into Jean, who. Looks like she's on the other side of where we last left her. She's dressed Mm -hmm. in a suit. She has her makeup done. She looks really great. Ellen, on the other hand, though, is like a frump master. She's like really frumping it up. And, you know, if it would be one thing if we didn't also know she's a murderer, I'd be like, oh, she's a single mom. She's busy. But I'm like, no, she's Mm -hmm. she's depressed because she lost like her host family, like the people that she can take the most energy from. Um, so apparently it's been a whole year since they last seen each other and things are tense to say the least. Um, Ellen picks up a can from Jean's cart and says, I see you're going to make your famous pumpkin pie. And she's like manhandling the can a little bit and plops it back into the cart as if it's not a heavy can. Like, I don't know how else to describe it other than she's being disrespectful (laughs) to her groceries. Um, and Jean's like, I'm so glad I ran into you. I wanted to invite you to Thanksgiving. And Ellen's like, well, I've got plans, but see you soon. And they, you know, they all give each other a hug and a kiss. Um, so then Greg and Cheryl's baby is like six months or something, and she's playing in like the doorway in one of those little bouncy swings. Um, again, I'm so relieved Ellen allowed this baby to live. Um, the <laughs> priest is there, so obviously he's forgiven Jean for that little
2: <laughs> fuck. God. I forgot about that. Oh <laughs> gosh.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think the priest is a drinker. He is like pouring out the white wine. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a priest hold a Chardonnay bottle before. But that's that's some fu- that's good. Um, so Jean is still the mom that people go to. Steve is there for dinner. It looks like a lot of friends of the family sort of situation. And as soon as the turkey hits the table, the doorbell rings. It's Ellen. And Jean says to Cheryl, like, just remember, like, treat her like family today. So um, Ellen is dressed like an absolute insane person. She's wearing a floral (laughs) dress and a velvet choker with like a cameo on it. And I know what I know exactly the look she was going for. She was going for that like blossom six look with like the little like you know dramatic choker. But like they just they're it's like the the dress is like a spring dress and and that's a very winter choker she's wearing. (laughs) (laughs) They don't work. Um, so after dinner, like a freak, Ellen goes up to the nursery, AKA Jenny's old room and picks up the baby. And she starts twirling her around for what feels like five minutes, just as like a viewer on the outside. Um, and she's like, Jean comes in. She's like, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, I want to hold the baby. Um, and Jean, you know, puts her to puts the baby back down to sleep. And, um, Ellen's like, so have you heard anything about the murder? And Ellen's like, you know what, um, this is Thanksgiving today. We're, we're thankful about what we do have. So that's a non-confirmation that there's been no update because she'd be thankful that she had information if she had it. Um, Mm -hmm. so after dinner, Jean is cleaning up and there's a knock at the door and it's Ellen and she's back with Carla this time. Um, Knowing no more info has come up, sh- Alan's got to make things messy again. It was almost too peaceful of a Thanksgiving for this family. Um, the Monroe's are not allowed to have a day, so I'm. Um, this is like I'm going to play a lot of sort of the end of this movie. There's going to be two, like a three minute clip and then a four minute clip later. Um, this clip is one seventeen oh four to one twenty seventeen. You guys, it's about to get fucking juicy, and we're going to get a upsetting life update on Carla.
4: You better hear this, Gene. Now. Hear what? I
0: ain't got nothing to say.
4: She's toast. Talk. Let me at her. I can get the truth out of her. Okay. What do you mean you can't do? You can't do it. You can't do what? You
2: have to
6: tell these people to do it. Give to me. I can't take much more of this. I'm trying to put it all behind me.
4: She'll talk now.
7: Excuse me. I
5: dropped Jenny off at this community center. She owed Jimmy
4: Marquez, five hundred bucks because he funded her the money for some coke.
5: She left with him.
7: That never happened. You're lying. No, I'm not. Do you know where Marquez is now? Do you know? Do you know where he is now? No. No. Jean, come in here, please. Look at Jean. Look at Jean. Look at your friend's mother. Look at what she's going through. I want you to look into her eyes and tell her some of the lies you've been telling me since you've been in here. I swear I'm not lying. Jenny was not into cocaine. But you are, aren't you? You are.
5: I, I can't think.
6: Why, after a year, does she come forward and change her story? For one thing, Marquez is
7: conveniently dead. He was shot last month. And when he was alive, he didn't have five bucks in his pocket, much less 500. Everything Carla told us from
6: the beginning was a crock. Why go from one lie to another? Maybe this is the truth.
7: Your daughter was not into drugs. How do
6: you know that about Jenny?
7: I know you think we've slacked off the fact is I've never stopped looking for the bastard who killed your daughter
1: okay um I feel bad for carla i I kinda yeah. do I'm gonna say yeah. it she is she's on like she's on some shit she's clearly like on something even when she's in that room um I think that her life has she's not she's never going to recover from being a part of this murder her life is down the tubes now and i think that she because she's a a not a crazy person um she's having a hard time moving past this i forgot to point out cuz i don't even know if i noticed ellen's crazy braid is back
3: <laughs> she's back around jean she's like all right i got to get my braid back
2: yeah i'm my back girls, in the my game. back in my life you know i got to <laughs> Gotta show out for her.
1: (laughs) Because at that grocery store, she did not have a braid. And she, it's a manipulative braid she has. So, Um, yeah, Carla is like walking outside the station. She gets into Ellen's car and Carla's like, they didn't buy it. And Ellen's like, it doesn't matter. They can't prove anything and they'll never figure it out. (laughs) So um, the yellow car that Kathy, I guess, was in outside of the church crying after the funeral pulls up to Jean's house. She still has this scar on her face. And frankly, it looks like it hasn't healed for a day um (laughs) it's still bright red on her face and i would think a year later like maybe some scar tissue would have developed but you know girl you couldn't put some neosporin on that like there's you know a dermatologist would do you some good it's also like like, right oh god still
2: bleeding actually (laughs) she pulls up
1: yeah it's well i mean maybe there's a metaphor there yeah. That wound will never heal. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. That's very true. <laughs>
1: we we got to give more credit to these people. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Kathy's ready to talk. So, she goes into the station and tells Pat everything. Um, because we've worked this hard, we deserve to hear the full confession. Um, Carla's going to give this confession to all of us. I'm going to take a break um, in between the confession because. You guys just don't need to hear Tiffany Amber Thiessen getting beat in the woods for <laughs> several minutes. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's probably the longest clip we'll hear today. I'm sorry, one twenty-one ten to one twenty-five forty-four. And again, I wanna tell you guys your MVPs. This is a long episode. I can't help myself. Um, all right, yeah, here dude. you go.
5: I was afraid for my life. So I ran away. Tried not to think about what happened to Jenny and the pain her family, you know, suffered, the grief. You see, when somebody dies, they're not the only ones who suffer. I never knew that, until my brother died. I finally understood what Jean was going through. I couldn't hide anymore. Because I didn't tell for so long, does that make me an accessory or something?
7: Kathy, did you kill Jenny? No. Did you have any part in it? No. I mean, I was there, but I... Then you won't be held responsible for anything, okay? Now just tell me what happened.
5: I was staying with Ellen at the time. That day she said, let's go to the park. Carla was there. She had picked up Jenny.
7: So there never was any red money, Carla? No,
5: Carla made that up. Or Ellen did. I don't even know why Ellen wanted me there. I what mean, happened in the park? We all started driving out towards the woods. That's where it all began. As we were driving up the hill, Carla turned off to a road on the right. Ellen and I were right behind her.
7: Can you describe this road?
5: Gravel, single lane. It went off to a parking lot by a creek.
7: What did Ellen and Carla do?
5: They started yelling at each other. Calling each other names, like real sarcastic voices. I guess that was their plan, to make it seem like they hated each other. And they turned on Jenny and let her know that they were really against her.
7: How did they do that?
5: It was something like, we don't really hate each other, it's you we hate.
7: Why were they mad at her?
5: They said she had slept with their boyfriends. Then Ellen and Carla started naming off other boys.
7: What was Jenny doing at this point? She
5: was crying. Then what happened? Carla said, Let's take a walk.
1: Helen, I swear I didn't do anything but shut it. up my
6: <laughs> Please don't. Please, please. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you crying for, huh? What are you crying for? Look at me, whore. Look at me, whore. You took away Steve. Oh, what are you doing
4: oh. Oh. oh now the boys might not like it so much. So sorry. I'm sorry. I'm
6: sorry. Come on out here, Jenny. Water is in
5: Where do you think you're going? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to the car. Get away, please.
1: please. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, what a easy week of work for tiffany amber theason to get all the glory like she is barely in this um and you know she did like maybe four days on this movie and she is for sure the star i just um have spent some of this time looking for angie ray mckinney the actress who played kathy because i thought she did a good job here um, yeah. her career is shockingly limited. She was only in, um, four things after this. One of them I had noticed I had already looked up before cause the link was purple and it's a movie mm. called girls in prison, 1994. And I think this might be one of the movies that has haunted me for years in terms of like a movie I saw when I was sick from home from school one day. Um, with mm-hmm. Anne Haitian and Ione Skye. I I really don't know why I've looked that up before. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's like, I can't find her anywhere. She might be a um, financial advisor in South Orange, New Jersey. But I'm guessing she got married and sort of quit the acting world. Which is a shame because I thought she did a good job there. Yeah, I remember yeah. her from another Lifetime movie. I want to say I think it's called
2: it's like Liar Liar between father and daughter or something like I'm pretty sure she plays the older sister in that movie because she looks very familiar. And I feel like I've seen her before and definitely watched a movie with her.
1: Is it called Killing Obsession? A deranged psychopath recently released from prison sets out in search of Annie, the 11 year old daughter of the woman he murdered 20 years earlier.
2: No, I, I bet you it has another like an alternate title like this one in particular, as is often the case with um, yeah lifetime. It's like one where like the a daughter is like she like lies a lot, but like she claims that her father um, like sexually abused her, and then it becomes a whole thing of like is she lying or is she not? And I think this girl plays the older
1: sister, unless she changed her name. This mm-hmm. girl after after a killer months friends only did killing obsession, um, an episode of a show called rebel highway, the girls in prison movie. And then a short in 1999 called Gentleman like Chris, Hmm. She played Jean okay. Seberg in that, um, who was, wasn't Jean Seberg, um, part of the M- manson thing. No, that's JC Sebring. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> who he is. Um, Oh wait, Jean Seberg was a American
6: actress
5: who
1: lived in France. Um, Oh wait, what were you going to say? Sorry. No,
2: no, 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 no. I I was going to say who I thought Jean Seberg was, but I was wrong. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Um, you know what? Who cares? R.I.P. Wendy Ray McKinney. Like you should have been more of an actress, girl. You're pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, the girls are trying to drown her in the lake and they decide they need to find something to make her drown. We know what happened. They grabbed the stump and they put it on top of her. It was the stump right next to the one that they had carved like best friends forever in, um, Mm -hmm. you know, get a life. These two just needed a life. Like (laughs) I know high school is such a trying time. You think whatever's happening then is going to be the rest of your life. Um, it just bothers I it always bums me out when young people throw their lives away like it didn't need to be all like that you know um so Kathy is like obviously having a fucking meltdown by the car because she didn't realize she signed up to attend a murder that day um and Ellen runs out of the woods first like a bat out of hell in her overalls and she's like (laughs) um We need to cover the body. And so then Kathy asks Carla, like, what she did. And Carla's like preoccupied already with hiding evidence. She's trying to, like, take her shoes off. And at one point, she has, like, one shoe on, one shoe off. Um, And then she panics, throws them all in the trunk of the car, and the two of them drive off together. Um, We're going to hear 127.49 to 131.36, which is the end of. Kathy's confession we also hear a little bit of um, Carla sort of being like yeah we just committed a fucking murder and um, Carla's humanity again shines through a lot more than Ellen very different reactions Um, 127.49 to
6: 131.36 what happened I killed Ellen and I killed oh my god oh my god Oh, oh my God! I killed Jenny. Jenny's dead. Maybe I did. Maybe I should go back and. No, I gotta
5: go back. No, stop it! I don't want
6: to. I just wanna go home.
5: Anyway, she deserved it for screwing my
6: boyfriend.
5: drove
6: away like nothing had happened I taught those girls how to swim to drive everything those girls were my daughter's best friends on the
7: surface inside Ellen was burning up with jealousy Jenny was everything she wasn't and could never be
6: what about Carla
7: Carla's a follower she was Ellen's
6: puppet My guy became Ellen's puppet. I mean, my God, to move into my home, become my daughter. Mm,
7: Sick. That was the other part. Jenny wasn't enough. She wanted Jenny's mother. I loved her like she was my own. She's brilliant. Diabolical. She moved into your house so she could watch you suffer. And it gave her the opportunity
6: to misdirect the investigation. Every time I paid less attention, or even when I told her she was under suspicion, she went right into her act. How could I be so stupid?
7: Don't blame yourself. She fooled a lot of people. You're a loving, trusting person, just like Jenny. And that's what got her killed, isn't it? No. She trusted and loved the wrong people. Look, I, I know this isn't much, but I can arrange for you to be there when I bring them in.
4: Make this fast, I don't have all day.
1: Okay, Pat let her have that slap for free. She was like, <laughs> go for it. Like, the way she and Pat, Patty Duke and Pat sort of, like, nod to each other. Like, not just, like, thanks for catching the murderer or, I don't know, accepting the confession. But, like, yeah, that slap felt good. I needed that. Um <laughs> I the okay, so Ellen's not wearing her manipulative braid when she comes in and then she like watches her friend get hauled off and then when Patty Duke comes out from the crowd to like confront her, she puts this smile on, like as if she's, you know, just knocking at the door looking for a popsicle on a summer day. Like she smiles at her like there's nothing (laughs) wrong. The mood changes in this scene are like consistent. I I guess because I hate ellen i'm like holding it against the actress but the actress does a good job especially for like a tv movie um mm-hmm. it's a complicated character to play i think and she's really working it um and of course tiffany amber Thiessen, much like jenny herself gets all of the glory um again what is this actress's name she was pretty good um who played um ellen is margaret welsh is her name she's great um so yeah of course you know we end this movie with cheryl and greg's baby lisa turning one years old it's like a horror show because like this baby, it looks like torture like <laughs> this baby is like crying like crazy because the happy birthday song is very triggering um I think you had to, at this time, you had to pay a lot of money to sing Happy Birthday as well. So that was like, um, Happy Birthday is free now. But for a long time, the reason why you never heard Happy Birthday was because it costs money to sing it. Um, So they really, they spent the budget on that Happy Birthday. And if the baby was crying or not, they were going (laughs) to sing it. So... Um, Gene stands outside and looks up at the stars and Adam comes out. And Adam is a man. Now he's a little, he <laughs> somehow they grew him up in the, in the month and a half it took to shoot this movie. And he's like, you know, Cheryl and Greg got to go in a second. You know, what are you doing? She's like, I'm counting my lucky stars. So she, he goes back inside and she like looks up at the sky and she goes, I love you, Jenny sleep with the angels. And then a title card comes up saying the people who portrayed uh, portrayed as Ellen Holloway and Carla Lewis were subsequently convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life in the state penitentiary. Their first parole hearing will be in July, 1997. So this movie was made in 92 but the murders were committed in 85. I mean, it must have been pretty um it must have uh, instilled a sense of un- a lack of ease rather in the viewer to see that in just 5 years these people were potentially going to get out of jail.
3: Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. I remember like I think anytime I like you know watch something on it's like based on a true story and then you like see it especially today um especially from like a murder that happened you know in the 80s or 90s or 70s like a lot of times if it's like a second degree murder like a lot by now like they're out of jail or they're dead and so it's always like so alarming to see like was released in 2015 was released in 2012 and it's just like oh gosh they're out (laughs)
1: I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and just throw the book at her. I don't think Ellen should ever have been allowed out of jail ever. Like she's very serious shit, dude. Um, so you guys, this was a fantastic movie. I absolutely loved having you on. Thank you for sitting here and doing this with me for, um, just a little over three hours now. So I appreciate that. Um, is there? Do you guys have any thoughts? Final thoughts on the movie? Um, and if not, do you can. Do you want to tell people where to find you? Um, final. I, I mean, no my
3: mouth is just I on mean, the floor.
1: I love. I love this movie. <laughs> like,
2: mm-hmm. It's definitely one of my favorite Lifetime movies. It has everything I love. There's teens. There's betrayal. There are weird improv moments in a the forest with a child and an owl. Like good stuff
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I thought it was great
3: and also I just re- remembered when I was going through IMDB um, there's um, an interview that Dr. Phil did with the actual real Helen or Ellen
1: no way Dr. Phil. No.
3: yeah she was on Dr. Oh. Phil in 2015 it's only like a four minute clip on YouTube but
2: oh my god
3: Dude, yeah. that's
1: Wags' favorite show. Wags, my dog will watch Dr. Phil. Like, if I put Dr. Phil on, in particular, he likes Dr. Phil, and he likes Wife Swap. And he will watch those <laughs> for hours. Like, it's the only time I can get him to leave me alone is when, when DP is on. He loves it. Um, I'm going to totally watch that. That's crazy. And of course, her little fame whore ass. Like, she could have had it yeah. all, baby. Go be a psychic. I'm, I'm dying to see what she looks like in real life. And Um, how she is. We will include that definitely. um, If not in our episode notes, we will have it probably on our Patreon for sure. Like it's that's, I got to include that now to get to you guys. You have a great podcast. It was such a fun discussion. We had about season three, episode three of DeGrasse. It was so good. Um, The, Episode wasn't that good, but you guys were great. Um, do you want to tell everyone about your show, how it came together, um, what you guys do? Because we have a apparently like quite a bit of crossover. I had a lot of people when I posted the show on my Instagram, people reaching out to me being like, no way. Oh my God. I can't believe like, this is so great. You guys are together. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening know who you are and what you do, but just for anyone who, who wants more of you.
2: Yeah. Um, everybody wants something. It's a Degrassi junior high. And I guess soon enough, a Degrassi high podcast. Uh, Lauren and I are obsessed with Degrassi. we, have Been friends for a very long time, and I would say that a big foundation of our friendship has been <laughs> Canadian teenagers. <laughs> so <laughs> we're doing that now, but um, you can find us like I, I think at this point anywhere you listen to podcasts. So, yeah, check it out please do. Um, we're also on Instagram as uh. She knows
1: this off the top of my head. I found oh. you guys the other day. I forget what it is. Everybody uh, wants underscore yeah.
2: wants underscore something pod on Instagram. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about you guys. I definitely, um, I want to help you out too. Like I really think you guys are great. So um, if there's any way I can be helpful to you in the pod space, please let me know. Um, this was really, really fun. You guys, all of their episode or all of their information will be in the episode description. So you can find these two brilliant queens. Thank you for coming and doing this movie with me. It was something that I was really nervous about doing for a long time um, because I know it means so much to people. But I think that you guys, as I said at the top, I think you're the perfect people to have done this with. And I really enjoy talking to you. So thank you so much. Oh,
2: thank Thanks you so much, much for, having, for having, us. having
5: us. It was so it was much, so
3: much
1: fun. fun. Of course, darlings. Now I know, um, where you are, it's past my bedtime, so I'm going to let you go. So, you live <laughs> your life. But um, thank you so much for coming and doing this. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yes. Bye. Nice.
3: Bye.
7: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Bundwein